fight, blood fight, you're tired of desire to win, blood fight, locked in a game of life and death. Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the show, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to movies. Um, typically what this means is one of us will be intimately familiar with the movie we're watching, uh, and the other person will be seeing it for the first time ever. Uh, and in this way, we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Uh, this month, uh, July, we are doing a theme month. Uh, this would be Movies About Making Movies. Um, We've covered a couple others this month so far. Uh, first up was Hearts of Darkness, which Kyle selected. It was excellent. Uh, and then the week after, I did American Movie, which I believe is an excellent movie. I think it's essential viewing. And this week, in a, a rare case of a, of a double up, I guess, uh, I got to select the movie again, and I selected uh, 2014's Kung Fu Elliot. Uh, it's a Canadian documentary directed by, well, co-directed, by Matthew Balkman and uh, Jarrett Bellevue. Uh, if you've never heard of it, I'm not surprised. Um, essentially, the documentary is about a fellow by the name of Elliot White Lightning Scott, uh, who has a strong desire to become Canada's first action star. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> um, so, Kyle, uh, how did you feel about this uh, documentary with air quotes? Well, uh, first of all, the the description of this is like a guy who wants to be the first Canadian uh, action hero. I'm like, well, he's clearly never heard of Keanu Reeves because I think that he <laughs> might be Canada's action hero. Um, Brendan Fraser, I think, held that for a little while. Um, Ryan mm -hmm. Reynolds is from Canada. And then Absolutely. I'm not going to say Nathan Fillion is an action hero, um, but I'm going to go ahead and just toss him in there. And I also think he might be the Canadian Treat Williams. Uh, <laughs> just... <laughs> He's a little I, taller, but yeah, it, it yeah they have taller. a similar vibe. But yeah, um, at, at first I was I I didn't I kind of thought I knew what to expect in this. I thought this was going to be similar to American Movie, where we're actually following mm -hmm. a guy trying to put together a movie, and that that documentary is him trying to film movie like a, an actual movie, and the problems that come with that, with no budget and you know a slight drinking problem, delusions of grandeur. <laughs> Um, this took a turn, uh, about a quarter of the way through, I'd say, actually about halfway through, that I wasn't expecting, and it takes you on a completely different journey. Uh, less, yeah. less about a filmmaker, <laughs> and more about, um, a borderline sociopath, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is, I mean, the, the theme of the month is movies about making movies. Um, unfortunately, in this case, we're dealing with a documentary that is, more about the human element than the filmmaking stuff. Uh, the filmmaking kind of takes a backseat to the, the, the human drama. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I took it upon myself to, well, first up, I, I actually purchased this film. It's readily available on Amazon Prime, which is how I think most people who've seen it saw it. Um, I actually bought a Blu-ray directly from the Kung Fu Elliot website. Wow. And, oh my God, it came in this, like, hand-wrapped little parcel that like the lettering on the the address stamp was done in hand are you serious <laughs> so i think the directors actually like packaged and mailed me this movie by hand wow um 
So yeah, I'm a proud owner of this film, and it does actually have some special features on the disc, and I, I uh, took it upon myself last night to dig through some of those. Uh, there's a lot of, de- a lot of deleted scenes, because um, up front I should say that this documentary was shot over the course of two years. Um, these two fellas followed Mr. Elliot Scott for two years, uh, so they have a lot of footage. Um, but there's also a QA session they did um, with, I guess, people writing in, like, via the internet or something, just asking questions. And uh, funny enough, one of their responses uh, did, in, did in fact name drop American movie. They said, oh, I guess it's, I guess our movie is like Canada's answer to American movie. It's like, <laughs> you could have called it like Canadian movie or something. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, American movie was about Mark Borchardt, uh, who is a struggling filmmaker. Uh, Kung Fu Elliot is about Elliot Scott, who is, as you said, pretty much just a sociopath who... Um, I don't know he's like a it's interesting because from a a filmmaking standpoint um he seems to have no talent but from an organizational standpoint he has incredible like force of will like he gets a lot more done than you would expect a a person like this to get done yeah like like for instance securing venues uh getting actors and extras uh like putting de- well, <laughs> writing shot lists and stuff on like like coffee coffee house napkins and stuff but point is like he actually gets stuff done whereas like there's a lot of folks out there that I've encountered that have all the ambition in the world and are delusional to a certain extent um but they get nothing done Elliot I mean the the difference between American movie I mean between uh Mark Borchardt and um and Elliot is that Mark Borchardt had wanted to be a filmmaker since he was a kid uh, he actually mm-hmm. had a camera, an actual filmmaking camera, not an actual digital camera. Uh, and this also took place about, I'd say, 15 years apart. Um, yeah, they were filming. They were filming American movie in the in the late 90s, and uh, this took place. I mean, late 90s in Canada or late 90s up north <laughs> looked like 80s, but this is supposed to be around. I'd say what 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah. And that's when this is taking place, which still kind of looks like the early 2000s from my, from my yeah, point of view. Yeah, that's actually, I, th- I think that was like a running gag on Mystery Science Theater, where it's like, Canada's pretty much consistently a decade behind <laughs> the, uh, the cultural trends in America. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, Elliot, I don't know if filmmaking is the dream so much as just he, I don't know, he's a bit of a prima donna. He thinks very highly of himself and he likes the attention and the power that comes with controlling a set or something like that. Uh, we'll we'll definitely dig into it. Um, but you want to get into the movie, Kyle? Yeah, I can tell you the exact moment when I hated him. <laughs> so when we get to it, I'm like, this is the moment I hated him. Um, you know what? I, I went into this wanting to like him. I wanted to, like, mm-hmm. I, you want to, you, you saw Mark in American movie and you're like, well, I, I feel bad for him, but you know, I, I, I kind of feel for the guy. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting that same thing in here. I was like, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to have feelies for this guy. And at first you do a little bit. Um, so he, well, he's kind of, he's kind of endearing to a certain extent. Cause he, even from like a, a body language perspective, he, he looks like a child in a lot of ways. Like, especially when you see him interacting with his friend Blake, I think like oh, yeah. the two of them just look like a couple of dumb kids. And like, <laughs> Elliot has yeah. those like s- like serial killer eyes, those dead eyes. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. But oh, uh, before we get into the movie, I should probably throw throw it out there up front that uh, uh, there is some de- debate 
as to whether or not this is an actual documentary. Um, I mean, obviously there aren't that many discussions about Kung Fu Elliot on the internet, um, but what what few there are uh, often veer off into the territory of was this staged? Is this fake? Um, there's a couple of scenes in here. I, I, I could see where someone would make the argument, but there's a couple of scenes in particular that we'll talk about that I think uh, say otherwise, just in my opinion. Yeah, I, I happen to believe that it's this is a genuine story uh, that was filmed as a documentary. Um, it's just through the editing that a, a certain narrative emerges later in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's the power of editing. Um, but yeah, let's get to the movie. Yeah. Um, our, our documentary uh, begins with narration of Elliot. Uh, there's a piece of classical music playing, and uh, he's doing like kata or at least pretending to do kata <laughs> while yeah. wearing a, a, a white gi on a, a green grassy hill that's actually kind of a like an artful shot shot at a great distance and uh his narration is along the lines of canada's never had an action hero um by the way he is from halifax nova scotia nova scotia uh, which just so happens to be the same town that a uh, goon takes place in <laughs> yeah, i like <laughs> the, uh, that first halifax movie. highlanders Oh, they're both good. Although the first one is better, but they're both good. Oh yeah, uh, there is a sequel. In case, in case anybody listening to this wasn't aware of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Elliot is narrating this footage of him doing kata on this hill, and he's basically talking up like the notion of dreams and about him aspiring to be an action hero. And they're like right off the bat, we get a bit of a comedic beat where. A, in the very bottom of the frame, a car just kind of like casually rolls by while he's doing his kata on the hill. And it's like, oh, <laughs> the timing on that was kind of, kind of perfect. <laughs> it's like just way to ruin the moment, car. But they left it in because uh, clearly the directors have a certain kind of relationship with this fella, especially after they completed the film. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But um, then there's some like studio footage, I think, of him in like a darkened studio with some sort of overhead lighting. And Kyle, is this when you started to hate him? Nope, not yet. Getting there. Oh. Okay. Well, it's it's him basically like posing and trying to look cool. And again, like, I'm I can't think of a good way to describe the construction of Elliot Scott's face, but he has that look to him where it's like it's like a child in a man's body, and he's he's like doing he's putting on the posture and like putting on expressions that he thinks are what adults do to look cool. But it's like, no, you just look like a dope. <laughs> he has a big dumpy nose and then no lips. So automatically you don't want to like, you, I don't like his face immediately because mm-hmm. I don't know people with Bert, like, like no, li- there's a difference between small lips and then no lips. He has no lips and a big nose. And oh, he's like arrogant. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you, you have lips. This guy has no, like, Almost to where he's like, po- like sucking them in. Like there, there's uh, nothing there. Uh, okay. They've got tiny little mouth. I don't know. They're just that facial structure. I'm just like, and Ugh. he has incredibly dark eyes. Like, yeah. In what in having watched this a couple of times, it's actually a little unsettling. Like because he he doesn't. It's not that he's devoid of expression. Like he is expressive, um, but everything's a little bit muted. Like when he's laughing, it never it very rarely seems genuine when he's smiling it very rarely seems seems genuine and there's a couple of lingering shots in this that are like genuinely unsettling where he's just kind of staring into the camera and i'm guessing they were like setting up a shot or something and he was just kind of resting or like doing a neutral face or something 
but it's like huh if you if you like look up sociopath <laughs> in the dictionary that this might be a decent photo to put in there <laughs> he i um, think he almost fits the criteria oh perfectly also um i mean we'll get to it but i feel like this might also be like a, a cautionary tale about cte maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll get to that yeah we'll get to that but um that's okay so portion so, so you said like it. these poses and stuff that um you're like i didn't hate him yet because i thought he was touched i thought that he might be uh uh, challenged. I thought that he might oh. be handicapped. Uh, and no, he's just Canadian, and that's his natural speech pattern. <laughs> sorry to our Canada <laughs> listener. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we have quite a few French downloads, but uh, I don't know about the uh, the French side of Canada. But <laughs> sorry if we offended you. Um, yeah, hopefully they don't talk to each other. But no, that's why I, I didn't have strong feelings towards him yet because I thought that he was a little challenged. Uh, hmm. But uh, no. No, I, I do not believe that to be the case, though no. I, I do see where you're coming from, absolutely, yeah. especially when you're first meeting him. First know. meeting him, and you see an adult acting like this, you're like, oh, okay, that's what this movie is. Yeah, uh, you get a bit of like a Star Wars kid vibe from him when you yeah. first meet him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the that. last... <laughs> no, you can't hate Star no. Wars, kid. You're a monster if you do. Jeez. Um, but the last portion of uh, of this montage here... Uh, is him reciting some sort of acceptance speech um, for some, like, film award ceremony or something. Um, and I got a very strong, like, Raging Bull vibe. Uh, reminded me of the, the was it the opening and the ending of Raging... No, the, the ending of Raging Bull, mm-hmm. um, where he's, like, getting himself psyched up in the dressing room and stuff. Um, so I don't know if that was intentional on the part of the filmmakers, but uh, it was cool. Uh, and, yeah, now we're in Halifax. And uh, we cut to some, like, local television network footage at some sort of news program akin to, like, Seattle's Evening Magazine. Um, and they're spotlighting Elliot, uh, filming his third movie uh, by the name of Blood Fight. Um, apparently, he's a little bit of a local celebrity. Uh, we get to see some, like, newspaper clippings and some magazine clippings and stuff. So he's known in this, this small region as, like, you know, the local filmmaker guy. He's not, like, talented or famous, but, like, some people know him. Some people know him. I was, uh, I was doubting his karate champ chops uh, from the very beginning. They're like, karate champion? I'm like, I don't think this guy was ever a karate champion. Um, even when his partner, Linda Lum, she pulls out, like, some trophies. I, I, you couldn't, couldn't see the trophy well enough, but I'm like, you can get that at a thrift store. Somebody, he could, somebody could have just donated it and somebody bought it. Like, he could have gotten that easily. So, I... I wasn't <clears throat> buying that he was a karate champion from the beginning. Yeah, um, that's... <laughs> uh, I don't know how many people actually bought into that. Um, mm. Apparently, Linda did. Um, in the QA session with the filmmakers, um, they were asked about her. Um, apparently, she was absolutely like 100% trusting of Elliot until the filming of the documentary. Um, wow. She just kind of took everything at face value and never like never bothered to dig about any of like the the little mysteries that were floating around about him, especially that tattoo on his arm. Um, I feel so bad but, for Linda. Uh, mm. I know, and uh, it needs to be said uh, during the QA session, uh, they were asked like, "How did Linda feel about the movie?" And apparently, she she likes it. Like, she thinks it's a it's a good film, and she's glad it exists. Uh, so that made me feel a little better about things, I guess. 
Um, so yeah, uh, around this time is when we start to meet the, the principal cast of our documentary. Uh, first up is Blair Bears. Um, this Mr. Blair is a <laughs> he's a he's quite the epic individual. Um, he has a moment in this documentary that is one of the saddest things you'll ever see. Um, but up until that point, you're just kind of like, whoa, what's this guy's deal? Like he's kind of weird. <laughs> the ending of Requiem um, for a Dream was less depressing than his scene. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have I have yet to see that movie, by the way. So maybe oh, we'll have to have watch it for the show. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would never make um, anybody. I've heard watch, things. I would never make anybody watch a Darren Aronofsky movie. That's just something you need to go into yourself. Okay, that's fair. Um, but Blair, um, I, I'm struggling to think of what he looks like as well. But he he has thick glasses. Um, he, he's look, he's not he, balding, but he has he has that like short little like spiky hairs where you can see directly through it and see the top of his scalp. Um, he's he's a, got, like, he, a little beard. He looks like a night school uh, Renaissance teacher, like that. Like he's gonna just talk about the Renaissance period and Renaissance history, everything surrounding he, it. That's that he's a night school teacher. Yeah, he he does kind of have that vibe about him where it's like he he's on the fringe of everything he's probably a very passionate individual he's got his things but the chances of him meeting a random person on the street that he can have a decent conversation with probably not very high not so much um but he's a fairly heavy set guy Uh, he has a very slow speech pattern um and again a very dead stare uh you're he, he creeps me out in the sense that he he telegraphs very little with his face Wait, are you are you um, talking it's about? It's unsettling. Are you talking about Blake or the guitar guy? I'm talking about. Uh, I get their names mixed up. I think Blair is the uh, the uh, guy that is in the films with him, and Blake no, is the, the guitarist. That's opposite. Blake is. Oh man, Blake. Is, that's why I was like, wait, Blake. I'm like, uh, I'm, yeah, Blake is the guy uh, who's playing the friend, the heavier set friend, uh, or the Mike yeah. of this movie. Uh, okay, the sol- yeah. The soft spoken. Then I'm talking about Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Blake. Sorry. Yeah. There we go. Uh, So, Blake is who I've been talking about. So let's get to Blair, uh, who is (laughs) he is the guitarist. He's the Uh, one that's the night school teacher. Yeah, Yeah, he is the night school teacher. Uh, He. I feel like he need he needs a ponytail. He absolutely. I I was actually surprised he didn't have a ponytail. When the first shot, I'm like, I think he's got a ponytail back. No, there's no ponytail back there. Yeah, I was waiting for him to turn his head and to have the grand reveal, but it's like, no, he doesn't have one. <laughs> He'd be like the guy that like says specifically what he's gonna do, or like, would you like me to perform Cunnilingus on you, or <laughs> something like that? Like he would just be super. Oh no, don't say that. <laughs> no, he. It's funny because like, if you didn't speak, like if you didn't hear him speak at all, he kind of makes me think of the the one guy that's like one of the hosts on Chopped. Um, <laughs> he has a similar constr- similar facial construction, similar glasses. But yeah, he's a he's a fairly tall, thin guy. Um, wears a lot of flannel. Um, wears a lot of like I don't know show jackets. I guess he went to some shows or something. He likes to show off like stuff from thirty years ago. Um, everything great that happened in this man's life probably happened 30 years ago unfortunately there he has a photo of himself that he shows later that is incredible it's him with like long hair and a leather jacket and it's like whoa you know 
Uh, and so the last person we meet is, of course, Linda, uh, who yes. is Elliot's Elliot's girlfriend. Uh, I guess she's been with him at least a year. Um, she has some stories later about how they met and stuff. But um, she, right off the bat, she has kind of a aggressive demeanor about her. She's a little snappy. Mm-hmm. She's a little scary. Um, but apparently she supports Elliot 100%. Uh, it needs to say it needs to be said uh, Linda is an Asian woman. I'm not sure of what descent. I would I would guess Chinese, but I have no idea. Um and that that is something worth putting a pin in. <laughs> <laughs> generally we wouldn't we wouldn't mention that kind of thing cuz it doesn't matter, yeah. but in this yeah. you'll understand why later why this is significant. Yes. Yeah. Um so yeah, <laughs> so we get into his movie here, uh They Killed My um, Cat. Uh, is our yeah. first film. So Elliot starts talking up uh, his history with film. Um, apparently, he, we never actually get to know like how long he's been doing this stuff. Um, we we know that he's made two features prior to the one that he's working on right now. That would be Blood Fight. Um, but he never really makes mention of making movies like as a child or like oh having God. it be important. He's Dirk Diggler. He's 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 fucking Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. I mean, he follows the same path. You're it's not the wrong. same fucking thing. <laughs> he, he's not, I mean, it's... Mark Wahlberg's character isn't um, a pathological liar, but uh, he's got the boss hog. He loves kung fu movies and thinks he's the shit. The only thing that's missing is he's not really coy. He just he he gets to where Mark Wahlberg is later in the movie, but he's like that immediately. But yeah, he's just a dude who loves kung fu movies and and has a big hog. Like he's just a bigger. <laughs> oh, well, I mean the the one thing that would that would I guess secure that is if he had a Burt Reynolds like take him under his wing. Nobody's taking that. this guy under his wing. Yeah, no. He he's attempting to do that for other people, but no, there is no mentor in the picture. In fact, uh, we learn at the very end, like maybe the last shot of the movie, that his parents declined to be in the documentary. I would too. Um, I so would be we, embarrassed. We get very little insight into Elliot's life prior to being an adult. Um, so unlike Mark Borchart, who it's you know we we get a full picture of him. We get we, we get a sense of his childhood. Um, we learn that he's been actively trying to make films since he was like twelve. Elliot, we know we don't get that sort of insight. So the first movie he made is called "They Killed My Cat," and uh, as he's talking it up, when we get to see some clips of it, uh, we get to see him in a white gi. With like, I don't even know what those what those uh, documents are called, but it's like a trifold. But it, use it for science projects. Like every kid uses these. Oh these yeah, cardboard yeah, I know thing. what you're talking about. <laughs> he has one of these, and I guess he he tours the local video stores in in Halifax. Oh my god, this is just, where I started. And sets up. <laughs> he sets up his little science project stand and like says he does meet and greets and like martial arts demonstrations for the fans well he says um, that uh, yeah. while he when he does this he sold what uh how many copies of his movies he said like 30,000 30 to 50 30 to 50 <laughs> no so thir- 30 to 50 <laughs> oh 30 to 50 he said it was in the thousands uh i don't know where that figure came from oh, i heard 30 to 50 he told somebody he was in the dark like yeah we sold like uh 30, copies or some shit like oh, that well like, when he wow. when we get to china he he spouts some shit uh, <laughs> um oh with the monk i love the monk scene i thought it was really oh the monk be, was amazing i thought it was gonna be more humbling for him but it was not um i know yeah. like that was incredible that, like how he walked away from that not learning a damn thing 
still having confidence <laughs> after that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you have to be a special person to like to not get rattled at all by that. What just happened? <laughs> so. Yeah, so there, he has this movie called They Killed My Cat. Now, everything he's, all these movies, quote-unquote, that he's filming are on a digital camera, just a little, like, uh, whatever brand. I don't even know. Nobody has cameras anymore. Uh, so so this, isn't, this isn't even a handy cam. This is a point-and-shoot camera. Um, this is something that, you know, it's not a, I mean, it's like a couple hundred dollar piece of hardware. Um, and this is in like 2011, 2012. So you're not getting great resolution on that. Uh, it's probably not quite HD. <laughs> it's trying. Um, and depending on what brand you're buying or what model, uh, it may even be running on double A's or triple A's. Um, this is, this is not great equipment. No, uh, <laughs> at least Mark but had a, like a camera. No, Mark had antiquated equipment but it was it produced good imagery like good solid imagery and good sound um what elliot has though is what i had when i was in high school actually it's it's a maybe a step up from what i had when i was in high school because i had actual mini dv tapes he was shooting on like sd cards or something um but yeah it is not good hardware um this is not something you should be making movies with that you're trying to sell to people (laughs) No. Um, this is this is equipment that you would use if you fully intend from day one uh, to have your movie put in one of those like fifty in one boxes that you get at like Walmart for a dollar, like fifty giant monster movies or fifty zombie movies that are all public domain and cost zero dollars to make. <laughs> you know what makes me mad is I go through I go through Amazon Prime trying to find like obscure horror movies that look like B horror movies. And I yeah. look at the covers and I'm like, oh that's kind of a cool cover. That's kind of a cool concept. And I'll go and I'll start to watch the movie and it's like a C minus to D movie. I'm like, this isn't even a B horror movie. What are you even doing? It, it it's really frustrating well, when you're trying to find a, a little B horror movie. It's kind of funny because actually, like, if you you look at the image quality of Elliot's work, um, uh, usually that's like the first thing I look for when I'm deciding whether or not I'm going to watch a piece of shit movie or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes, if it has that like digital grain to it, where it's like, oh, this is like, this is before we had access to 1080p, (laughs) Um, then there's a problem. If I can if I can hear the camera motor on the audio, (laughs) I'm not watching that. I am not watching that. I'm sorry. I own maybe one movie that fits that description. Um, my friend made me. Well, he didn't make me. He just told me about it, and I ended up buying it because I was so curious. Uh, it's a movie called Bone Sickness, and we may have to watch this, Kyle, because it is truly awful. But it was made with a lot of enthusiasm. You can tell everybody involved was really into Evil Dead. Um, but it has this look to it where it's like you can tell they shot this on like a mini DV cam. They probably didn't even have access to a microphone. Uh, definitely shot in like the ass end of like Jersey or something, <laughs> like, something like that. Um, I have no idea where it was shot, but I got that vibe. In fact, I think I heard a, uh, a water in there when somebody was asking water. for water. 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 Uh, sounds so like that, that's usually my dead... That's usually my dead giveaway, is it water? Um, water. But yeah, <laughs> back to Elliot. He's sold about 30 to 50 copies of his first two movies. Um, and I don't know, Kyle, should I start 
laying breadcrumbs down for the big reveal, or should I just come back to it later? Um, lay down some breadcrumbs. Okay, so if you if you've seen the film, uh, you'll know what to be looking for, and you know if you're actually paying attention, you'll probably notice it. Um, when we see him doing one of his meet and greets in front of one of these local video stores, um, there's just a lingering shot that contributes almost nothing um, to the story or whatever of just him standing in front of like two teenage girls just talking to them and at the time it feels like innocuous it's just like oh Elliot's talking to some girls Um, but it lingers for just long enough where it's like whoever is editing this film put it there for a reason and this happens a couple more times in the movie and it it does pay off to something Um, I don't even think there was audio in the shot like if there was it was it was drowned out. You couldn't really hear it because there's probably traffic nearby or something. He's in a situation where he should be talking to people, so it doesn't it doesn't feel out of place. Like he's trying to promote no. or he's trying to you know get people to buy. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything right now. Yeah. Um, so the name of Elliot's, I guess you call it a production company. Um, it's not a company. <laughs> it's not a company. It's not uh, an it LLC. Yeah. Uh, is bad acting good kung fu productions? Um, which it's too long. Um, it's not the it's not the worst concept in the world. Um, maybe have that be your your like tagline, but not the name of your production group. Um, that sounds like a, that sounds like a month that we could do bad acting, good kung fu movies. Oh, put put that put <laughs> put, put, that, on put the that in the vault. I'm putting that in the vault, Kyle. We're doing that. <laughs> that yeah, that's your fault. You brought well, that on yourself. I, I would counter with bad acting, good makeup effects. Okay. Or bad that's movie, good makeup effects. Leviathan. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's like, is that two on the nose? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Elliot does claim that he has won some awards for some of his films, like best original film, uh, best script and best score. Um, so we get to see some clips of they killed my cat and he gives us a little bit of a rundown uh, about the movie. And it was really interesting because throughout this entire movie, there's a certain someone that, Um, he's often asked about his sources of inspiration. Like, who out there do you look up to? Who who do you think about when you're making your movies? And there's one name that he never never drops that's like, I know for a fact this man is your your number one inspiration, and that would be Steven Seagal. Oh, gosh. He never mentions it. Think about that. He never... He never fucking mentioned Steven Seagal, but like everything about Steven Seagal is Kung Fu Elliot. He, even he, like the delusion. Yes, like <laughs> I agree. I think that might be why though is because uh, Steven Seagal is a master of a martial art that nobody gives a shit about. Like he's mentioning mm-hmm. like Chuck Norris, Jacques Claude Van Damme, you know, the God himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like these are dudes who either have a, a background in martial arts or are just beefcakes that punch people. Steven Seagal isn't really a striker. He's more of a I'm gonna disarm you and stab you in the fucking neck. Uh, well, I'm going respect- to find four. I'm going to find foreign objects to push you into. Yeah, <laughs> Steven Seagal is unorthodox and partially why he's not. I mean. That's not even half of why he's not working anymore in this country. But, uh, um, but yeah, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. He definitely mentions like Sony Chiba. Um, does he uh-huh. mention uh, he men- does he mention he talks about Jackie Chan? But does he mention Jackie, Jackie Chan? I think Jackie Chan is like the number one source of inspiration for his filmmaking. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I feel like Jackie Chan for a lot of folks of a certain age is incredibly important in this country. 
like in the in the mid 90s like if you had any sort of interest in martial arts rumble more than likely it was yeah more than likely it was because you saw rumble in the bronx and then every movie that came out after that uh, because he was amazing and he was new even though he was like 40 but (laughs) that was the first movie i ever watched that i that was dubbed and i knew that it was dubbed i'd seen movies before that were dubbed but this was like i something's not adding up here i don't i don't know what this is all about she's on the toilet and yelling at him but she's not actually saying those words i don't get it i couldn't figure it out (laughs) this is very confusing this is very all these all these canadian people that are trying to sound like they're from new york it's very (laughs) off-putting very unsettling Um, um but yeah they killed my cat the plot of it is hard to kill like it's basic it's basically hard to kill because he gets put in a coma he gets put in a coma his wife gets killed he comes back for revenge it's hard to kill um and like so much about elliot as a person is basically (laughs) sick he's just as bad but i still think steven seagal is probably worse um they kill my cat looks like a middle schooler directing their uncle and his friends like that's he's awful as an actor i'm gonna say mark mark <laughs> is so much better in every way but no. i i think maybe getting shit done is not mark uh board charts strong suit but the man knows how to try to cut together a, a coherent film and actually try to act not so much with elliot elliot is awful yeah no mark mark actually elliot has zero talent or zero mark talent actually Mark has at least a little bit of a technical background. He like he knows how to get things done. He knows he knows what it what it means to set up a shot and get good imagery, and he he knows when something's not going right, but he doesn't have the tools to correct it because he, he has, has zero communication ability. <laughs> he has a, a grasp on a skill set that could have potentially gotten him work in the film industry. Oh man, what about what about Elliot? directing a movie with mark as the dp because i mean he's from wisconsin like halifax wisconsin like i don't know how far they are but nova scotia is in north nova scotia is an island it's not even attached to regular canada like <laughs> shows how much i know about canada <laughs> but yeah imagine like mark as the dp and elliot directing the film and starring in it actually don't quote and, me on that i think nova scotia is an island Oh yeah, yeah, it's a ferry ride. Yeah, it's a ferry ride. Yeah, it's it's an island. <laughs> Sorry, I, I was like, somebody in Canada's losing their mind right now, or just from the northeast coast. <laughs> but no, it, I believe it is an island. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, that would be interesting to see the two of them. But that's just that's too many. I mean, that's just too much testosterone. It's just too much manliness, just too much masculinity packed into one room. Like, I mean, you got to make room for Elliot's hog, too. So it's like, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, I don't know about these fireworks, man. It just seems like, it just seems silly, man. <laughs> oh, I feel bad because doesn't Blake remind you of Mike a little bit? He's not... They're not the same. I mean, Mike definitely has fried his brain with acid. Blake, Blake, yeah, poor Blake yeah. has his own, his own, his own problems. Um, but they're both just like soft-spoken, like dudes that are just kind of. They don't get pushed around, but they just have no problem being told what to do and just kind of go along with it. They inhabit the same role, yes. and unfortunately, they have like the same relationship to the to a similar personality. Where it's like, like you said, they they're they're open to suggestion and. I think I mentioned this on the American movie episode. It reminds me of like being on the playground and like put, 
putting together a game or something where it's like I don't know you there's usually one kid who's like the ringleader who just kind of like pulls everyone into his world and kind of directs traffic and usually he seeks out like kids that are you know less strong-willed than he is mm-hmm. and he just he just kind of like has his way with them and you know if you do that enough times in your life you're doing repetitions on an activity and you get pretty good at it and if you surround yourself with the right people you can get you can get the desired result um even into adulthood and it creates some really fucked up personalities <laughs> uh, like elliot <laughs> yeah right i just wanted to talk about his second film real quick um it's called the stalker and the hero and he he's wearing a leather jacket in this one and uh the idea here that. is he he's 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 talking about film markets elliot who has sold 30 to 50 copies of his movies on dvd in local video stores in in halifax um is talking about film markets and how it's like yeah this time we wanted to like you know expand to the american market and like get the the cop action drama and stuff um so it's it looks like a Steven Seagal movie. He's wearing a leather jacket and he's roughing people up who he really has no reason to rough up for information or whatever. There's like a scene where he's beating up a guy in an alley for information. I was like, yeah, that's that's a Steven Seagal bar fight because you can't he, have a Steven Seagal movie without a bar fight. <laughs> I, I know from personal experience, um, he does have Lethal Weapon One on his shelf on VHS. I do believe if you have mm-hmm. Lethal, if you own Lethal Weapon One. You for sure own at least one Steven Seagal movie. We absolutely. Had, we had um uh, the one where he kills Jamaican people. Uh, I can't remember oh, which Mark one. Marked for death. Marked for death. Yeah, we had all. We had the Lethal Weapon four pack, and we had Marked for Death. So he has to have at least one Steven Seagal movie on there. No, he he is very likely a Steven Seagal fan. Uh, he just never mentions him for some reason. And actually, I did have some fun. Uh, like pausing every now and again to look at uh, Elliot's movie collection, because um, he has a lot of VHS tapes and a lot of them are pretty pretty horse shit. Like he has Prehysteria. I know like, that name. It's the little kid from Last Action Hero. Oh and, like, yes. Di- little, yes, little animatronic dinosaurs because you know '90s dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he has shit like that, and it's like wow, he's like he, he's like caught in a moment in time. <laughs> Oh, yes, he is. Um, but Stalker and the Hero, um, he does mention later on that Chuck Norris and Jean-Claude, uh, he always says Jean-Claude Van Damme, um, are like his inspiration. And uh, it just so happens I remember a Chuck Norris movie by the name of Hero and the Terror. Uh, good job kind of ripping off the title there. Um, and he describes his films, Elliot does, as a respectable cheese um, and then he tries, he tries to come up with a like a zinger for himself. So he he mentions how like all the big name action stars like Arnold and Stallone, they always had like that gotcha move, that gotcha suckers line, mm-hmm. <laughs> the the I'll be backs and the whatnot. And his, I don't know if his improvised is sayonara, motherfucker. motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Stallone, Stallone's catchphrase was. Uh, <laughs> That's what he sounds uh, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like uh, the worst. You know, I should be, I should be saying something. Hey, he, he is the best. <laughs> Stallone is the best. Whose mo- whose movies have more watchability, Jean Claude Van Damme's or Sylvester Stallone? <sighs> um, mm-hmm. 
Go ahead. Yeah. I'll wait. You, yeah, you got me. You got me. <laughs> Although, I mean, Stallone, it's like, he, he has... I mean, whenever I'm doing my Stallone impression, he does his things with his things with his hands, where he, he keeps everything tight, keeps it close to his chest. He's like, yeah, you gotta keep it home, you gotta keep it tight, you know, you got, like, your home and see it in your chest, you know? And, like, I feel like he, his filmography is like that, where it's like he, he tried repeatedly to get outside of his comfort zone, and it never went right. Either that or he picked shit movies. Uh but, like, when he's doing his Rockies and his Rambos, he's great. Mm-hmm. But when he's doing other stuff, not so great. Yeah. Van Damme, uh, Van Damme tapered off really, really, really bad in the 90s. <laughs> but he has a couple of gems in there that are that kind of save him a little bit. See, honestly, Arnold's worst stuff is when he comes back to the Terminator franchise. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yeah. Um Arnold Arnold has a pretty fucking solid filmography. Yeah, I will give him that. Like he he really is the king of the action stars. You can never take that from him. I might queue up Last Action Hero after this, honestly. I mean, people shit on it, but I think it's good no matter what. Like there there's my brother always told me a story about the script how it was like this amazing script that got kind of chopped up in in like in production. Um so what we got was not what was on the paper. Um, but I think what we got is pretty fucking good. That's great. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what was on the paper, but I still like what we got. Um, the first chunk of this movie is really, really compounded. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. It's pretty rapid fire. Like, at this point, Elliot shows us a lot more clips of his movies. He kind of thinks of himself as like a Robert Rodriguez or a Jackie Chan in the sense that he tries to do as much as as much as he can for each of his films. Um Mentioning him in the same breath as Robert Rodriguez or something is kind of cringeworthy, <laughs> uh, as Robert Rodriguez does everything, but he's also good at everything. Um, yeah, arguably, but yeah, I know what you mean. When 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 he's, he's on the right project, yeah, yeah. When he's on the mean. right project, he's amazing. But he, sometimes uh, he, he's a working yeah. director. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Elliot also mentions that all of his actors are volunteers. Uh, again, he tries to play filmmaker here and like talk like oh oh yeah i'm trying to get like the most genuine performances out of my actors you know and you you get that from volunteers um as far as i can tell like all of his uh all of his scenes are improvised for the most part like they have a very loose idea of what they're going to be doing the camera's just running and then they just kind of come up with stuff Uh, which you know at this point in the film is it's fun it's like you know this reminds me of being a kid making movies and stuff uh, so we get a scene where it's like it looks really fucking hot out. It's probably fucking freezing because it's Canada, but <laughs> um, it's like in the sun and every like he has a bunch of people wearing like white geese, and it's supposed to be this big fight scene. And uh, we see Blake as a character by the name of Mob Boss Mark. <laughs> and uh, again, we get another breadcrumb here. Uh, so there's a scene where he is holding a, a girl hostage. And she is not acting. She is just sitting there looking bored. She's and, pretty uh, hot. She is. <laughs> her her name is Sheena. She just sticks. Her name is Sheena. I, I I say that because she sticks out like a sore thumb. Because oh yeah, the group he has are the most unfuckable people you've ever seen. And then you've got this really like attractive woman working with this. I'm like, what does she do? What does she think this is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, she's in one of the deleted scenes, and it's a it's pretty interesting because um, it's. 
it's really uncomfortable too because uh, it's a uh, linda and elliot in the same room with her filming a scene with her alone and linda's like doing some of the direction and elliot's just kind of hovering around and like I won't go into any more detail than that, but it's just the three of them in the room together, and it's really fucked up. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we get another breadcrumb here where Sheena's sitting on this like couch in a park or something, and she's being held at gunpoint. She's not doing anything like remotely close to acting. Uh, Blake is saying his lines and stuff, and then we we cut, and Elliot immediately like says like oh blake do it better sheena you were perfect <laughs> and then we move on um and then we get to see blair as a character by the name of tough love <laughs> who is a, a biker martial artist and uh he mentions here he is 41 years old and he knows what he wants to do with his life and apparently this is it uh and again the directors and whoever edited the film knew what they were doing here because we get to see him say this and then the very next clip is him getting kicked in the fucking face <laughs> for real on accident. And uh, my note here says, of course, he doesn't mind. <laughs> He's perfectly all right with being kicked in the face. So now we get to where Linda and Elliot met. And, and Kyle, did you want to talk us through that? Yeah, this is where I hated him. So at this point... Um we he's we can clear he's delusional he's an awful director he has terrible actors uh he has no talent whatsoever so you're like okay this guy's never gonna make it so this is what this is gonna be about about his perseverance and everything well we find out that um he has been laid off um he was laid off when he met alinda roughly and then he was laid off another two times so He's more or less uh, unemployable. I don't think he was laid off three times. I think he was laid off and then fired. Or he was fired yeah, was, all times. It was the economy. <laughs> the economy economy's bad. The economy's bad, you know? Uh, yeah, they keep blaming the economy. I'm like, here's where I'm getting a little fishy. I'm like, okay, laid off one time. That definitely happens. I mean, I know people who get laid off. It just happens. Companies go under or they can't afford to keep you on. Like, we have to let you go. It totally happens. Three times, yeah. that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> so, uh, not only is he that, he also has no job. So, he's, he says, like, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home husband or a stay-at-home boyfriend. But he's like, there's no dogs. There's no kids. There's nothing for him to be doing at home. He just eats cereal and watches kung fu movies at home. And then sometimes does some filming. So, he's mooching, delusional, unemployable. And then he's talking about how he and Linda met. And I guess yeah. they met on a dating site and... This is, I mean, it was starting to become a bit more popular. It's definitely, it's total, it's totally fine now. I know several people that are actually married to people that they met on uh, dating sites and apps. Mm -hmm. um, and it, this is a time, like I said, it's getting more popular. He said, yeah, we just met and then uh, well, we, we kind of just started dating. And uh, I guess she was driving like two and a half hours to go see him. And she was like, no, we yeah. got we to gotta shut that down. But he says, the thing that made me hate him is when he says, uh, she is sweet like sugar. Um, he just hasn't, he's just so insincere when he's talking about her. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is fucking gross. And you can tell from her facial expressions, she wants to strangle him. Like, she hates him so much. But I don't know what she perceives as a reason why she can't get rid of him, but... Like you said, like she is aggressive. Like she, you can see it in her eyes. She loathes this person. Yeah, um, Linda's Linda's in a a tricky spot at this point in her life. Um, yes, 
And I think that has a lot to do with why she's still with him. And in fact, Elliot very, very casually drops like one of the more important lines in the movie towards the end. Um, we'll get to that when we get to that. But it caught me off guard because like I, I think it happened so fast I didn't even write it down. But uh, it's kind of like the, the thesis for like him and Linda's relationship. Um, but yeah, she, he he asked her to be like his wedding date. Like, he was going to a wedding, and he needed a date. And that's how they first went out. And she mentions that, like, almost immediately she had her help him out on, like, filming. And, you know, I, I could see that being, like, kind of charming, where it's like, oh, he has projects, blah, 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 blah. Like, he, he, he has a life. Blah, blah. He, he has ambitions. And, you know, I could see that being attractive to some extent. But when you make that, like, a weekly thing, and, and you're asking this lady to drive two and a half hours each week uh to do that um that's that's asking a lot yeah um also needs to be said that like she she does mention that she was married previously um i don't think we get all the details here but she does mention that and i think that's huge um and we also learn here that elliot does not drive linda does all of that he doesn't even Um, drive i know that she said it's her car but he doesn't even drive at all I don't think we ever see him driving in this movie. No, we don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's um, useless. And uh, they do actually have a dog, from what I can tell. Oh yeah, they it's do. I'm sorry. Co- yeah, it's, it's only cute. in a couple of scenes. It looks like no, it looks like my dog, just bigger. She, they have a they have a border collie. I, I know it's like, oh my god, it looks like Brew. She's an older dog yeah. too. But yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, I forgot they do have a dog. But the dog never comes back. I mean, up. that does that doesn't justify him staying home. No. But <laughs> Nope, my girlfriend and I have been working jobs, and we have dogs. Um, but yeah, uh, Linda does explicitly state on camera uh, that she would very much like to be proposed to. Um, this is told to us when we're doing like a one-on-one interview. Well, two-on-one interview. Well, no, two-on-two, because there are two directors. Um, it's basically Linda and Elliot sitting on the couch looking direct at camera. Um, and she does kind of say in a very aggressive manner, um, that's going to be a theme throughout this whole thing. Everything that Linda says is <laughs> delivered in a fairly aggressive manner. Um, right. But she would she would very much like to have a ring put on her finger. And uh, apparently, Elliot starts going off about like this imaginary scenario where he pr- gives her like the ultimate proposal, and it's very childish and immature and it's stupid. Not very funny. It's not very funny, but he's like trying to laugh things off. I guess he's basically trying to pivot away from this this particular topic. Um, Apparently, he attempted to text her a proposal, which I don't know what the kids do these days. I would not be surprised if they do that, you know, be, to avoid, like, emotional damage or whatnot, because that's, that's what folks do today. But that's not something that's done. You're not, even to, you're not even supposed to dump somebody through text messaging. Like, that's not cool. Not supposed to, but it does happen. That's um, fine. I get it. Not, I, I do not condone that. I, I think everybody deserves... Deserves a little something, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Elliot eats some cheese. <laughs> we don't, it doesn't say why he's not allowed to eat the cheese, but I get it. If she's, Maybe he's lactose intolerant. <laughs> I mean, I thought maybe it's because she's supporting him, and she's like, that's my cheese. That's my cheese for my lunch. Don't eat my cheese. You're here. You can mm-hmm. make something else. That's what I was assuming. But then again, yeah, he might also be lactose intolerant. That's a lot of cheese for two people, by the way. Well, considering his uh, Asian heritage, I've heard that um, people from from uh, with Asian heritage have difficulty digesting dairy products. So maybe maybe there's something there. Uh, I can attest to that. Um, I would not 
I would not stock my refrigerator with that much cheese. <laughs> with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's okay to have cheese in the house, but you know, you gotta like pick pick like a weekend when you're not when you're not like having company over or something. You, know? <laughs> you have a cheese weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta have a, a weekend blocked off for like cheese cheese marathon. <laughs> That's great. So Elliot watches some footage of his films at home. And uh, he compares himself to Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, who he mentions is a fifth dan in karate. And he, no, he mentions that he is a fifth dan in karate. And Van Damme is a seventh. So he's only a couple of ranks below Van Damme. Um, And he does claim to have many championship titles. Um, This is where we get to see his VHS and DVD collection. It's a lot of Jet Li and Jackie Chan stuff, a lot of 80s action movies. Like I said, it's actually kind of fun to pause the movie here and take a look at what he has because he has some goofy shit. Um, and he mentions kind of offhand here. That he's like, yeah, my, my ethnic background is uh, French and Japanese. And he only likes, only likes Chinese and Japanese directors. <laughs> they don't like you. Um, so, so yeah, this this is where like my bullshit radar really started to. Go. <laughs> he doesn't look Japanese at all. Um, I mean, I could see like a little bit of, I could see him claiming some sort of Asian heritage, but it's not much, and I seriously doubt there's any. Um, I think it's complete bullshit, but, um. Right here, when he mentions that he like his favorite directors are only Chinese and Japanese, it's like uh, he has a bit of a thing for for cultures that aren't his, much like a certain Steven Seagal. Oh, <laughs> very much, yes. Um, if it's exotic, he's into it, and in Elliot's case, uh, he had he's a Asianophile. <laughs> I don't know how you'd phrase that, but he 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 digs Asian culture basically. That's fine. I, mean, I definitely I know that's. A, I mean. You can dig other people's cultures. That's fine. That, that's totally no. It, and that's it's actually, fine, except when you when you phrase it that way, there's a bit of a problem. Yeah. Because if you're saying I only like directors from these cultures or these countries, uh, why? Yeah, why? <laughs> I mean, other people make plenty of great movies. No Italian um, directors. No French directors. No. You don't I mean, even just, like I. You just Guy say Ritchie? you like Nothing? fucking movies, you know? Like if you single those two out, then there's something there. Like you're you're choosing you're choosing that opinion. You're not you didn't arrive at that conclusion naturally. Um and he at this point uh the sleaze factor starts to go through the fucking roof cuz uh, he randomly tosses out there. Um as far as I can tell this was not prompted. He just kind of threw it out there that he He'd like the idea of having lady fans, you know, that appreciate the shots of him in his underwear and stuff. I was like, thanks for sharing, Elliot, you know? See, I didn't catch that. That's why I make movies, too. (laughs) The creepiness hadn't even kicked in yet for me. I didn't even realize he said that. Yeah. Um, Then we get a couple of clips of uh, a shoot on the beach, and it's a little overcast. It is not a nice day for filming. Real quick, Blake Um, is a... the his friend Blake is doing some method acting, and he's like, "I'm reading yeah. this uh, this book by the lady who does the method acting thing." And then does he do a Gandhi impression? Is that what he was trying to do? Okay, so let's just get right into Blake. Let's get right into fucking Blake. So Blake, uh, in his, I, I think it's an apartment. Maybe I'm not sure if it's a home or an apartment. I think it's an apartment. We'll go with apartment. Yeah, it's it's an apartment. It's made up like maybe he inherited grandma's apartment. 
Um, it's not very nice. The, the decor has a has a grandma vibe to it. I was half expecting plastic on the couches. Um, and yeah, he's got a lot of tchotchkes in there, and he, he fancies himself an actor. Um, he, We get some one-on-one time with him, and he's basically talking about how uh, he has a background in acting, and he pulls out some uh, Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And he gives us uh, his interpretation of to be or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for some, I was doing it along with him. He's holding a knife. <laughs> he's he is holding a knife, and he is making me very nervous <laughs> because at one point there's like a shot of him like stroking his neck with the knife, like with the back end mm. of the knife, not the blade, but just. Oh, we'll get Why to are the you props. brandishing a knife? And and. Why are you brandishing a knife while while holding this book? And the whole time is making me very nervous. And yeah, he says that he, he has done some method acting. Um, he has books about it that he's read and enjoyed. Um, he does some scales, like vocal scales, like oh ho 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 ho. Except for he has a very uh, monotone speaking voice, so it comes across as kind of pathetic. He's not good. Um, and then. And then this Gandhi thing that you're talking about. I don't know what this was. Um, so he has a, a phrase that he's repeating over and over and over again, perhaps uh, trying to like get into character or perhaps um, trying to find the right cadence or the right vibe for this particular line. It's transcend- transcendental meditation brings a man down, down, down. And he keeps repeating it. And this affectation this this accent that he's putting on his voice i don't know what the fuck it is <laughs> it's he's trying to do indian that's why i wasn't sure if it was a gandhi Are dialogue you sure the second time he does it he's he's trying to, i'm not going to do it but he's he's trying to do it i'm going to do it don't do I'm it i'm going to do it cuz i don't think you're right <laughs> he says transcendental meditation brings a man dune 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 <laughs> well, that sounds more like what the guy is that? That, that sounds like the guy who does the voice of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Uh, but uh, no, he the second you mean time Disney's he says, bitch. He said, uh, the second time he's like down, 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 and it sounded like Robin Williams doing Gandhi. And I'm like, oh, he's trying to do he's trying to do like an Indian accent. But he's he's saying it like a Scot, like Dune. Yeah, Bring I know he it sucks. Dune. He sucks. But Bring the Scots, it Dune. The Scots don't do <laughs> transcendental meditation. <laughs> I can tell you that right now, buddy. You're they'll, not wrong. You're not. They'll wrong. drink a pie and have haggis, but they're not gonna. They're not meditating, man. Yeah, I don't. Point is, he's doing something. I don't know what the fuck it is, but it was mildly entertaining. Um, by the way, um, it seems like we cannot do a show lately without mention of Brando. Um, he does, in fact, name drop. Yeah, he does, in fact, uh, name drop Marlon Brando, and yeah. and in fact compares himself to him. In Robert De Niro. And De Niro. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to compare myself to Brando or, or or De Niro, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think if I uh, if I got my stuff together, I could, uh, I could, I could be just as good as them. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, fuck, dude. <laughs> Michael Fassbender shouldn't shouldn't even compare himself to them he can but he wouldn't even do it but eventually he could be comparing himself to them comfortably yeah he he, no, he gets yeah. a few he gets a few more gray hairs he can do that yeah and i don't think anybody would fight him on that he's method um, as fuck I'm but yeah sure. we come back to uh the sword fight at this point which um 
not much happens. We just get to watch some shenanigans while they're filming. This um, they're shooting on there's, a playground. There's some yeah, there's some kids in the water, and yeah, they well, can't continue filming because the kids are in the background. <laughs> well, he's mad about it, too, because he's like, he's like, oh, we're filming when you're on this beach, and then the kids are in the background. Like, the kids are in the shot, and they can hear him. And he's just like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, you're filming in front of a fucking playground. What did you think was going to happen? Oh, I'm so mad. Yeah. That's, this is where I'm really starting to get mad at him. <laughs> yeah, he mentions that, like, we... Yeah, we can still film here on, like, Mondays, so maybe we can come back. And uh, I guess that's the plan, to come back and finish the shoot or something. But, um, I mean, I, I did this shit on, like, my college campus where we were shooting stuff, like, guerrilla style, where it's like, yeah, probably not supposed to be filming here right now, but uh, if we do it real quick, maybe we can get away with it. But, yeah, right. Uh, we're, we're never but, we're never butthurt about it when it didn't go our way. But, um, and, again, like, it needs to be said, watching the two of these guys have their little sword fight like there's a shot where the documentary crew is like pulled way back from the action and it really it really does just look like two little kids play fighting on a beach and it <laughs> it's a little it's a little pathetic but it's also kind of charming um and blake does mention here that he completely and totally trusts elliot and there's another very good editing moment where the immediate follow-up to that is uh, him laying on his back and like elliot rearing back with a sword and like bringing it down on his throat <laughs> it's like oh i guess you i guess you really do trust him um and then we get a uh, a title card like it's just a black shot with some white text on it and it says something along the lines of all the footage from the climactic fight scene of blood fight uh was corrupted and is is gone uh, so apparently they shot this big, huge fight scene in a in an actual like ring, like in a martial arts gym of some sort, um, and we get to see some still shots of it, and it looks like actually may have been decently executed. Like mm. it actually looks like a a scene, like it looks like something. Um, but all this footage is gone. So at this point, uh, Elliot's ambition is to reshoot the entire scene, uh, which by the way had like. A host of extras it was shot on a location um not exactly easy from a logistical standpoint for a production like this um so it's a tall order basically and a uh, parallel to this though elliot is being encouraged by linda to attend acupuncture school um <laughs> do we get something a, yeah it's do anything that anything. doesn't involve cheese <laughs> how does he not and oh, eating said cheese? How does he not um, have a job at the video store? They still have a video it. store. I know, actually that that would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense for him because it would, you know, it'd allow him to indulge that side of himself. It would be some something for him to do. He's already actually like friendly with the local video stores. Like they they stock his product, so they know him. I mean. That actually makes a lot of sense. Fuck. <laughs> He's unemployable. That's why he doesn't work there. Yeah. Um, and we get another random shot here where uh, Elliot is wearing, I think, like, red tidy, tidy whiteies, but red. So tidy, tidy reddies. <laughs> tidy, tidy um, reddies, yeah. And he, he strokes his cock a little bit and he talks up his sexual prowess. Um, he says, yeah, I think Linda's very happy. She probably tells all her lady friends about it. Um, it's like, ah, oh, okay, Elliot, again, thanks for sharing. Yeah, he alludes to, to his, Dr. He, I was to say, he alludes to his hog a few times throughout. Yeah, he's he's quite proud of his hog. 
uh, at this point, uh, we get to meet Dr. Diana Lee, um, who is a, I guess, an acupuncturist, and she's the instructor at the school that Elliot begins attending. Um, we have a lot of interview footage of her talking direct to camera from behind her desk. Uh, she seems like a nice lady. Immaculate complexion, by the way. <laughs> um, needs to be said. Um, and she has a lot of good things at this point to say about Elliot. She likes that he, he believes in Chinese medicine. He seems to acquit himself at it quite well. And she has a lot of high hopes for him as one of her students. Um, and we get to see some footage of him at the school going like actually doing acupuncture and acutherapy and stuff and uh again more breadcrumbs um they're no longer breadcrumbs at this point i don't think based on all the the talk of his hog that's been happening and uh this scene wherein uh dr lee is narrating the footage saying lots of good things about elliot and we get to see him running his fingers over a female patient and uh, i mean he his face isn't giving us any like tells as to what he's feeling in this moment um, but at this point, the filmmakers have trained us to kind of pay a, a bit more attention when there's when when Elliot is interacting with women, uh, because we've seen we've seen too many of these at this point. It can't be for no reason. Um, and at this point, uh, we meet Radafi, um, who it sounds like you took some notes about. Oh no, I just wrote down his name. Um. Oh, <laughs> awesome! Well, Radafi Ranaivo um, is a he's fucking jacked. Uh, he yeah. is a legit martial artist. Looks like probably Muay Thai. Yeah, that's what um, I was guessing. And and uh, he is a martial arts instructor, and a, he is like I guess the uh, the the boss fight of Blood Fight. Um, he's he's involved in the climactic fight that we don't have footage of anymore. So he'll be doing the reshoots with Elliot. Um, it looks like he either owns or works at the gym that they're filming, well that they're like rehearsing in right now. Um, and I. I don't know what his ethnic background is, but uh, in the background I saw a flag. I think it's Madagascar of all places. Um, oh, it's it's like re- it's like red, white, and green. I think I I did some studies about Madag- Madagascar when I was a kid, so I remember that oh. fact. Like I remember that detail, but I don't know if he is from there. But it's just a funny detail. It's like that's not a flag you see in many gyms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it needs to be said here: uh, Radafi is a legit fucking martial artist. Um, and Elliot is clearly maybe not. <laughs> um, and then I think at this point is when we get the saddest fucking story maybe it's, I've heard in a long time. Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, poor Blake, he was dating um, this woman for a long time. Ten Was it like 10 years or something like that? 14 years. 14 years, um, and he went to go uh, do some shooting with uh, Elliot, and he came back, or he went to go watch something with Elliot. Or the, it was at the awards. That's what it was. It was the awards that they went to. And uh, he came back, and he had to, uh, I guess she collapsed. His, his girlfriend was really sick, and she collapsed on the floor. And uh, he took her to the, the hospital, and I guess she, uh, was it like a drug-induced coma, or she was uh, in a coma on life support, and uh, they ended up pulling the plug, and he basically his his girlfriend died yeah uh his last moments were th- with her um she was not responsive uh he couldn't he could speak to her but he w- it was not certain if she could understand him or not but he basically said goodbye and the thing that stuck with him is that her thumb kind of like ran across his fingers just like pinched him a little bit so that 
if to him that was like you know she heard that and mm. that, that gave him some comfort but it's just this really tragic moment and uh the way this scene is shot is really intimate it's good document good documentary filmmaking where it's basically just blake telling us the story and the camera's rammed up into his face and you see all the emotions that's it's devastating and um, he has a really good quote here that I won't say in, in the Blake voice. <laughs> um, he says, there's women that I help, there's people that I help, and sometimes my friends die. And uh, that's just the way God takes them, like that. And uh, the cadence in which he delivers this, you can tell it's like it's hard for him to get these words out. And it's very hurried to the point that's like that wasn't the cleanest of thoughts or deliveries, but it's the best he could manage in that moment while being honest um, ne- um, and get- he does tell us oh I was just going to say at this point he does actually mention that filming with Elliot is uh, therapeutic in some ways um, which kind of explains a lot of why he does the things he does where it's like ah you know he's he's still kind of reeling from, from this tragedy so keeping busy with Elliot is, is a way for him to escape from reality and like you know not give a shit anymore yeah, my uh, my next note is uh, fuck Elliot because I was kind of on the uh, on the fence here. I'm like, well, I don't really like him. I really don't like this guy. But now I'm just like, oh no, fuck this dude. Uh, oh, we have yeah. to get to the, <laughs> the the effect shot. We're gonna get the uh, him, I guess, decapitated in the basement, and they have to or perhaps depacketated, depacketated. <laughs> yeah, him depacketated. <laughs> um, he's you can see. Uh, so they have him in. He have have his head through a cardboard box. It, I don't know. This was all very confusing. They have his head in a cardboard box, and it's just his head showing. And um, he he's very uncomfortable. He's like, I, I have no back support. Like, I, this is really painful for me to do. And uh, Elliot's just like, yeah, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get the shot. We'll, we'll try to, you know, hurry up and stuff. And he, he's pouring, like, fake blood. They've got, like, uh, some kind of dummy with no head next to him. There's fake blood and sand. And he's pouring sand on him. He's like, close your eyes. I don't know why there's sand. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, <laughs> but this poor, this poor guy, he's just super uncomfortable. And you can tell he's just like, he just doesn't, he doesn't really want to do it, but he's going to do it for him. And they get him out and he's just like, can't really see all the, the sand and bloods like drip down onto his body. And Elliot stands in front of him and he's just like, oh man, are, are you, are you thirsty? Cause he's probably got sand in his mouth. He's like, would you like a glass of water? And he's like, yeah. And instead of getting him a glass of water, he starts saving more of the sand. He was like saving the sand to use again. And he's like getting it off his body. I'm like, oh, you dick. Get him some water. Get him out of there. Ugh. <laughs> That's funny because like I actually didn't get what actually triggered me here uh, was directly before that where um, Elliot alludes to the, uh, the tattoo on his arm. Apparently he mm. has some sort of grief in his past that he he claims to be able to like relate to to his friend on an emotional level. Uh-huh. Um, he doesn't go into any detail as to how that is how that is the case, but he basically he's trying to one up Blake's grief, <laughs> like basically Ugh. saying, "Yeah, I've seen some shit too, you know." <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a, um, a way for them to it, bond. It, it, yeah, it's it's like a dick measuring contest in a very subtle way. But mm. yeah, uh, the scene in the garage. Um, by the way, the reason for the sand was uh this 
this shot is meant to connect directly to what we saw earlier where Blake says he, he trusts Elliot and then Elliot brings his sword down on his neck. Basically, they're trying to sell an effect here where he, he chops Blake's head off. And so they, they have this fake body that they're going to lay down next to his head in the, in the sandbox. Uh, so it looks like his head is like, for whatever reason, standing up straight on the sand and his body's laying next to it. Um, so it's probably just going to be like a half second of footage in the finished product. Um, but yeah, if you ask a man to a man of that size, because uh, Blake is he's got some girth to him. He's a, he's a large fella. Uh, asking a man of that size to sit on his tailbone in a fucking garage with with no support, uh, that's got to hurt after yeah, like, probably a couple hours. Like, yeah, that's got to hurt. But. Um, Actually, like during the filming of the scene, I wasn't actually upset with Elliot. Um, I actually found it kind of endearing because what happens next is he takes him out back and runs the garden hose over him, <laughs> over Blake to clean him up. <laughs> but they have a laugh together, and it's again, it looks like two little kids. It okay, no, like have having completed the film, like getting to the end of it. Yeah, you're you're probably not wrong. It is probably him mocking him, um, but at at this point like if you're watching it i don't know in some ways it does seem like they they have a relationship of some sort i don't know i don't know if both parties are respecting each other as much like on an equal level um but they oh, it's have jane silent bob they do. it's J- <laughs> it's a loud mouth kid who's just <laughs> who's just yelling and his fat friend doesn't really say much yeah um so we get a very brief sequence here uh where elliot claim claims uh, that one of his fighters is apparently at the Olympics. Yeah, so I caught that. Be filming. Um, it's just an offhand comic uh, comment, but it's it jumped out at me. I was like, "Excuse me," <laughs> it's like, um, and he wants he really wants to do a fire gag. For, oh God! And this comes up more than once in the film. He really, really, really wants to get set on fire for this movie. Um, and Linda, I was so excited when he that, started describing this. <laughs> I mean, I the first time I watched this, I was like, "Oh, it's gonna happen. He's oh, gonna I, do it." I was. So, I'm like, <laughs> he starts describing what he did. He's like, "Yeah, we soaked a ghee in uh, gasoline and styrofoam." And I'm like, "Well, I know that styrofoam and gasoline make napalm, uh, so you're making a yeah." I, I caught that too. I caught that too. Where he does mention <laughs> styrofoam, I was like, "Oh my god, are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm like, "Oh, so that's what happens." He sets himself on fire. And burns. It's Duck, really burns. Yeah, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I thought it's, I'm like, it'd be like it would be like Grizzly Man, but with a fire gag. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, I am so excited. Oh, I can't wait. I'm like, he's gonna set himself on fire <laughs> with a napalm. Ge-. He even says he's like, those are the that's how you make homemade napalm. I'm like, yep, you got it, buddy. This is a good idea. You should run with this. I mean, as a documentary filmmaker, I think at that point you need to you need to tear down the illusion and maybe throw something out there like hey uh by the way <laughs> no man you are there to observe that's what i do. that's what a good okay. documentary filmmaker does trevor they observe okay, that's a fair point yeah <laughs> like that, that separates the, the men from the boys he said he had it figured out i i just assumed he knew what he was doing you know uh, <laughs> napalm gee yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah let's go for it <laughs> oh my god 
I mean, maybe you'll sell 100 copies this time instead of 50. I think Linda... Advertise it as the last Elliot Scott film. (laughs) I think Linda Linda doesn't want him to do it, but at the same time, I think she kind of wants him to do it because if I was to tell Steph, I'm like, hey, listen, we're going to get this effect shot of me on fire. So what we're going to do is we're going to soak a ghee in uh, homemade napalm (laughs) and we're going to set me on fire. She'd be like, are you out of your fucking mind? No, you're not doing that. Do not... She would never let me do that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I think Linda's kind of like, eh, I think I found a way out of this relationship. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I, I don't know if the safety is the issue with Linda. Like, I, I think it's more she thinks it's, like, overly ambitious from a filmmaking standpoint. Like, it's like, I don't think this is necessary. Because she is kind of a pragmatic personality in a lot of ways. So I could see her zeroing, zeroing in on that rather than, like, oh, it might fucking kill him. <laughs> No, it will kill him. Um, oh, by the way, there, there's a uh, deleted scene where he's he's walking us through um, a stunt he wants to do, where he'll jump off a roof into a moving truck, and oh. you can tell that like he's really jazzed about it. He really wants to do this, and uh, there's this. The editing is just lovely. Where it's it's a shot. We we get a lot of shots of of the roof at a distance, so we get to see this building, and it looks pretty tall, and then. Uh, when he's finally walked us through all the choreography, we get to see a shot of him standing on the edge of the roof getting ready to jump without the truck there. And it's like five feet off the ground. Mm. And we get to watch him like post up and think about it for like a half minute before he like very gingerly steps down from the roof. And <laughs> it's like, man, like moving truck. You sure you want to do that, buddy? <laughs> I think he should do it. I support him. Hell, I'll finance it. Uh, <laughs> idiot. Oh, my God. Blair. Goodness. Blair in his home studio, Kyle. Oh, yeah. Walk me through it. So we get Blair. He starts talking. To, I haven't really been paying much attention to Blair. Uh, he He's just not that interesting of a fella. And uh, But I didn't know that he's a musician. <laughs> and I, up until now, like to this very scene, I'm like, he's probably a good musician. We discussed this before we started recording. We're like, I thought that he like he was probably pretty good. He's been playing guitar for a really long time. He should have a ponytail. Maybe if he had a ponytail, he would have been better at guitar. But he doesn't <laughs> have a ponytail. And he says, yeah, uh, so I, I, I like my music. It's a big deal. And as soon as I see the scene, I write down in my notebook, I say, guitar guy, there's no way this will be good. And I don't, I don't know what it was, there was something <laughs> about the way he was carrying himself. I'm like, this is going to be one of the worst things I'm ever going to listen to. And I'm not wrong. And I actually did dot, dot, dot. I was like, this, this is not, there's no way this will be good. And I have dot, dot, dot. And then he starts playing this theme song. I wish you could get a clip of it on the podcast. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to sue us. If you could, maybe we could try to find it later, like splice it in there. Just like the first couple of lines, but... It is so bad. He's one of the worst guitar players I've ever heard. It, it's astonishing how bad he is. I'm like, how long has he? Been, how long did he say he'd been playing? Pretty much his whole life. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my goodness. Kirk Kirk Hammett at 17 was melting faces. <laughs> at 17. No, I, I mean, it's, as far as I know, he started when he was a teenager, and oh. he's now 41. Yeah. This poor guy. I feel so bad for him. So, yeah, uh, you really ought to look up the clip. Uh, he wrote a song for the movie Blood Fight, 
the song is called Blood Fight also. Was and, there a clip uh, of it on YouTube? It, I haven't checked. Oh, um, oh you can just watch it on Amazon, too. It's Actually, if there's anything to yeah. take from this, if there's anything to just go to this thing and watch, that's a good thing just to go watch by itself. Yeah, that's a pretty good clip. It's a feel-good clip where, it, you know, it's nothing but laughs. There's nothing. Mm. There's no subtext to it. It's just funny. Um, and it needs to be said, he is an equally bad singer. Um, yeah. He's a better <laughs> singer than he is a guitar um, player. I mean, I can't, I can't speak to that, but you, you actually play the guitar, so <clears throat> I trust your opinion on that. Thank you, thank you. Um, so pyrotechnics, the um, fireworks window stunt. Yeah, yeah. Elliot likes to put fireworks in his movies. Um, from the other clips we've seen of his other movies, we can tell that this is a reoccurring theme throughout his movies. Um, he carries a mattress out into the yard, and he like gaffer tapes some. Roman candles and a variety of fireworks, basically, to a, to a windowsill, like facing outside, and basically he's trying to do a stunt, a quote unquote stunt, wherein he jumps from the windowsill through through the fireworks onto the mattress. Um, but the the funniest part here is that he does it, like it takes a couple of tries because he's scared, obviously, like he doesn't want to jump through the fireworks, but they finally do it. Um, but the the best part of it to me was that he does like the Flintstones thing where he jumps out the window onto the he mattress and then the very hurriedly runs back into the house and does it a second time because the fireworks are still going. <laughs> See, I was mad because I thought he was going to jump through, like like dive through the window onto the mattress, but he actually like climbs out and jumps onto the mattress. I'm like, that's disappointing, yeah. dude. I thought he was going to... I would have just dove out onto the mattress. It was not going to hurt. You'll be fine. Uh, one. <laughs> One thing about taping fireworks to the windows while I was watching this, I was like, man, there's got to be, because they're doing this at nighttime, and there's fireworks, and it's not 4th of July, I mean, in Canada, I don't know what their Independence Day is or whatever, um, but at nighttime, these fireworks are going off, I'm like, there's got to be some dad just with the window open, like, the blinds pulled, just watching, he's like, huh, he's got, he's got fireworks taped to the house. <laughs> no, no, he's doing it again. Oh, my God. We're going to call the fire department. He's going to set it on fire. Like, just, I wonder what kind of tape he's using. I bet it's, like, the dad's just trying to figure out, like, what kind of tape is it? Is that gaffer tape? Is it duct tape? Is it electrical tape? Yeah, I, I wonder what got- kind of tape that is. Is, is it electrical tape? Or is it a scotch tape? Or is it uh, duct tape? Or is it gaffer tape? Or is it uh, Gorilla Glue? Maybe? Like he's just trying to figure out which <laughs> I tape should call it him in the morning. I should right. call him in the morning. Get to the bottom of that, you know. <laughs> pace in front of his house until he finally comes out. Like, oh, hey, I was going to ask you about that. What kind of tape were you using? I was going to ask you, what kind of tape were you using last night? <laughs> I, did, I did get a chuckle out of him jumping out the window, then going back. And th- Why didn't he just leave the door open? That's what I don't get. <laughs> He's yeah, yeah. Actually, I noticed door. that he 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 kept he closed the door, so it made he made it harder for himself. But I mean, that is actually kind of resourceful to to think on your feet like that. Like, we should probably get more than one take of this, and the fireworks are still going, so let's fucking do it. I, I but yeah, uh, his little him crawling out the window is it's like the difference between a a front roll, which any child can and will do, and a front flip which only crazy people do. <laughs> um, and he did the equivalent of a roll uh, as opposed to a flip. Um, 1987. Yeah, uh, that's exactly how I have it written down. 
Yeah. Well, it the film actually is kind of like divided up into chapters. In uh, 1987, we get some reenactment footage that is shot fucking professionally. Yeah. Uh, this this is some crisp 1080p footage, definitely crisp. shot with a real crew. And it's it's a far cry from what we've been getting up to this point. Where I mean, we get good images, but it's it's all shot like verite style for the most part. It's all like you know handheld, kind of shaky shit, like fly on the wall kind of stuff. But this is like a fucking movie. Um, basically, Elliot tells us a story of a uh, his dad driving him out into the woods, and uh, dad has a chainsaw, and dad is cutting down trees for lumber for something. And uh, apparently, for a house, they're building a the, house for a house for a hoose for a hoose that they want to build hoose. Um, for a hoose. Um, and apparently, one of the trees fell in the wrong direction, and Elliot was standing in the bed of the truck, and the tree fell on him and the truck, and it put him into a coma. Uh, if a tree falls on a six-year-old, he's dead. But go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so then we cut from that like. You know, b- beautifully produced footage. Uh, two shots of Elliot wearing a ch- like traditional Chinese outfit. I think it's called like a Changbao, uh, standing in the woods. And uh, he tells <laughs> us that he was in a coma. He was in multiple comas. So he's better than Steven Seagal because he's been in more than one coma and he came out of more than one coma. Um, and he actually like explicitly con- compares himself to a superhero. Um, and again, I'm like the whole time I'm thinking, like, how can you not cite Steven Seagal as like your inspiration? <laughs> like, like you Pro- and him are the same person. <laughs> Probably the reason why Dennis Leary doesn't mention Bill Hicks as his inspiration ah. because, uh, yeah, if you Google that, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't so, yeah. don't draw attention to to the thing that you're biting off of. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, severe head trauma. He's in a double coma. <laughs> Napalm ghee and double coma are my, my <laughs> the terms that I've taken from this. Napalm ghee. I will never get over that. That is the one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Isn't that that it's basically napalm. And he didn't think that that was a bad idea. <laughs> if if yeah, he would have said he very we're gonna, ca- he very casually throws it out there. Like, if he would have thought, okay, styrofoam and gasoline, we mix that together, it'll make a good like uh, it'll make a good flame on the ghee, and he didn't know that that's how you make napalm. That's one thing, but he says it's the ingredients <laughs> for napalm. Uh, I'm sorry, but, it's the su- uh, it's the suicide ghee. <laughs> so I was suspecting something like this because I was like, well, if he, I, I was, I kind of put out mentally challenged because I'm like, okay, I don't think he's he's mentally challenged. I think he he might have had like some kind of accident or something. So I was actually kind of suspecting head trauma at this point. And when I, when this started, I'm like, God damn it. <sighs> Everybody's just like, like kind of placating him or kind of like just supporting him because he has like really bad, you know, head trauma and he's never been able to function really well afterwards. So I'm like, can I still hate him now? Now I'm, now I feel like the the, the documentary is giving me like a turning point with the character. Where you're like, okay, well you thought all these things, but now we're gonna turn it on your ass. And now I'm I'm giving him, I'm letting up a little bit. I'm like, okay, there's something I didn't understand that was causing this behavior. So now I'm still not happy about him, but I'm not as as harsh. When he gets to his trip to China, I go back on that. So. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you you get plenty of reasons to go back on that almost immediately, because immediately after that, he oh. tells us a story about him fighting off a man with a knife on a bus. Uh, it th- was thanks for sharing that. That was complete and total bullshit. But thank you. <laughs> I've seen there's a video of a guy running through a mall in some kind of Eastern European country, and uh, he's running from the security, and there's a guy. Uh, that he's running towards, uh, the guy, uh, the the guy is running on this man's left side, so he's about to come on his left side, uh, as if he was oncoming traffic, and he, the guy, takes his right foot, whips it around, and kicks this guy in the head. It's fucking incredible. It's like straight up Jean Claude Van Damme kickboxer move. And this guy, I mean, he's obviously a martial artist. He's very talented. And this was just, it's just a really cool video. I'll send it to you. So. I've seen that happen, and his description in the bus, I'm like, I was playing it, and I'm like, I've been in the bus, and if he was at the front, and he had, like, something to hold on to, and a guy pulls out a knife, I'm like, that's, I mean, that's possible, he could just kick it out of his hand, and he doesn't say, like, I did a roundhouse kick, or something like that, he's just like, I just kicked it out of his hand, and it went out the door, I'm like, okay, I could believe that, did it happen, maybe, but I, I wasn't totally distrusting of that story. But okay. we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we get an interesting scene immediately following the bus story, um, wherein you'll notice that Elliot has a injured hand. I don't know how that happened. We never actually learned. We how never that find happened. out how that happened. Yeah. Um, but he is apologizing to Linda and I think the documentary crew as well uh, for being out very late at night. And uh, Linda narrates some footage of, like, Elliot apparently doing like location scouting or something by that i mean crawling into a fucking sewer <laughs> yeah um and thinking it's pretty cool man um and she's mentioning that she uh she doesn't like when he disappears because she never gets good explanations as to what he was doing or where he went and apparently it happens a lot uh so yeah uh, some red flags are going up big time and now he's packing to go to china I um, still thought it was head trauma. I thought that she was still kind of talking to like, yeah, he has head trauma and he just goes yeah, and wanders off. Yeah, I mean, off. you're you're not wrong in believing that because it, you know, a lot of weird shit can come from that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's packing to go to China. He's ironing, and he tells us that he was able to pay for the trip um, from a credit card fraud claim. Someone stole his no, credit his... card, and somehow he ended up with a lump of cash. I think it was his car. Somebody stole his car. And uh, he got the insurance claim. Ah, okay. Yeah, so he uses that money to go to China. Um, and China. he tells us that he, he plans on filming in China. Um, yeah, and he I thought also, it was a good idea. He also... No, of course it's a good idea. I mean, you're in fucking China. Like, get some good forest yeah, shots. You get some, yeah, get some exotic locales. You know, add yeah. some production value to your, your no-budget film. Um, and... At this point, he also shares with us that uh, Linda apparently has a stalker. Uh, they've been getting creepy phone calls at the house, and uh, at the house. And uh, for the first time in this entire documentary, um, we hear the director speak from behind the camera. And he, he asks a question. Um, he, he basically leads Elliot on a, uh, on a conversation. Um, it's a very important moment, and we'll get to exactly why that is, but um, we'll get there when we get there. Um, he's doing the dentist system. 
Are you familiar with the Dennis system? I am not. What is that? So Dennis is a character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He is a uh, he has a narcissistic personality disorder. I believe he's been diagnosed by like psychi like psychiatrists and stuff like just from his the way his character is portrayed. Um, just it's a fictional character, but he has a system for courting ladies that he thinks makes them fall in love with him. And it's part of his name, D-E-N-N-I-S. The first is Demonstrate Value, where he uh, hits on somebody and he's like, yeah, I, I'm actually uh, filling a prescription for my, my sick aunt, and he's hitting on the pharmacist. And then uh, he asks her out and everything, and then the E is Engage Physically, and he has sex with the pharmacist. So um, he, the N is what I believe... Um, Elliot's doing, which is nurture dependence. By nurture dependence, what he does is he calls from a payphone <laughs> using a voice modulator to be a seri- like to like scare her. He's like you're gonna die tonight, <laughs> so he's <laughs> he's using the dentist system on her. <laughs> I think he's I the mean, one calling. I want oh, you to keep my. going. What's the rest of it? What's the oh, rest okay, of it? Okay, so um, neglect. Okay, so uh, nurture dependence. Uh, neglect emotionally, which where he gets he gets very distant. Uh, that's the that's the end and the other end in the dentist system. Um, the I is inspire hope. So he like goes and apologizes and everything, and I think he hooks up with her again. <laughs> so he's just like, listen, sorry, I was so scared before. Uh, please just give me another chance. And she's like, I, I get why you were like, you, you get where it goes. Um, but the S is the best part separate entirely <laughs> where you just mm. cut off all <laughs> communication <laughs> the show is brilliant but the dentist system is one of the funniest things that show has done and this guy i believe might be doing the dentist system on poor linda did you did you just have a light bulb moment yeah I, face would, told me when you were talking yeah. about when you were talking about the uh, the stalker and it hit me because i was like i think he's the one calling and that that clicked i'm like oh my god he like you said he Dennis like, he's Dennis systeming her. It's so crazy. I got to recommend I mean, this to my buddy who watches It's Always Sunny. I'm like, you have to watch this documentary. I swear to God, he's doing the Dennis system to her. Yeah, you you should definitely sell it like that because I bet they would have a lot of fun. Because I mean, from that description, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think narcissist narcissistic personality fits him to a T. Yeah, uh, Elliot, that is. Um, but <laughs> thanks for sharing. I, I had no idea about that, but that sounds great. Sorry, we got off track there, but like it just it, no, it just that's not off track. That's like entirely relevant. <sighs> Separate um, entirely. I mean, he. I think the the closing title cards of this movie are him disappearing entirely from Halifax. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! He got to the end of the dentist system. I have to post this on Reddit. Like, I, <laughs> I <just laughs> Kung Fu Elliot. Kung Fu he, Elliot. Maybe he's the, a fan. Oh, you need to find out when that episode aired. It was in and the... if it aired... It's before this. It's 100% it aired, before this. If it aired in Halifax, because he may have seen it. <laughs> uh, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but he just stays at home and watches movies and TV all day. So the dentist system is definitely something that could have possibly uh, crossed his path. I'm sure if you're flipping channels, I'm sure. I mean, they ran a lot. That's like a heavily syndicated show on like FX and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could totally see him seeing it. And also I could see him like being into like, was it Neil Strauss's The Game and stuff? Like the pickup oh. artist shit. 
Because, I mean, based on the way he talks about himself, he does have a high opinion of himself and does think of himself as being capable of living that lifestyle. My goodness. So I could I could totally see him being supplied with this information that's meant to be comedic, but he, like, takes it to heart, and he's like, well, yeah, I'm totally going to do that tomorrow. Well, that's <laughs> Dennis's sister in the show. Dennis says, he's like, yeah, uh, this, is how I, um, this is how I keep up my Playboy lifestyle. That's how I have this awesome Playboy lifestyle. She goes, a Playboy? Is that how you see yourself? <laughs> the, no, no. Man, I have yeah, to go back no, and watch I, this. I, I, I have to go back and do the. I have to map out the dentist system in this in this movie. <laughs> the, the the dentist system progression of Kung oh, Fu Elliot. This is incredible. Do it, do it. Um, okay. So sorry. China. We get to China. China. <laughs> uh, China. Yeah. Uh, Elliot lands in China. Uh, they go to Nanyang. Uh, Elliot's teacher, Doctor Diana Lee, uh, says that they call him Ayoto uh, because he is Japanese. Highly suspect, but cool. And then we get to meet Glenn and Ravi. Um, two teenage boys, I think, that are like his classmates, and uh, is the one the kids the the instructor's son? I think the kid on yes, uh, yeah, Ravi, he's the instructor's yeah. son, yeah, yeah. Um, and we we have a lot of clips of them sitting in like a hotel room on a bed, just speaking direct to camera, and we keep cutting back to them the entire time we're in China, which is they supply they us with a lot of very important information. They shatter everything. They completely turn this this into a, a movie that's not about making a movie <laughs> exactly um and here we get a really kind of alarming scene <laughs> when uh elliot they they go to a hospital in china and well, elliot goes over to the nursing station and he keeps asking people to translate for him and he wants them to tell them the, the people working at the hospital that he has a nursing degree in canada a nursing bachelor's degree in Canada. Yeah. Um, that's probably not right, but the point is he's trying to talk himself up because he's now in an environment where nobody knows him and he has a lot of eyes focused on him. And we get to see him do this repeatedly where he's telling blatant lies and asking people to translate for him and serve as like his introduction to strangers in China. He's, yeah, he says the trip is supposed to be meant as an internship. Like, this is supposed to be an idea. Like, the, like the, the point of them going to the hospital is to get an idea of what it would be like working in this kind of atmosphere. And uh, that's what the son says. He's like, yeah, it's supposed to be an internship. And, yeah, this is when I was just like, oh, gosh. Like, can I still hate him? And this was the moment where I'm like, oh, yes. A very, oh, yeah, Rocha very much so. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, you can absolutely hate him. <laughs> This this part was driving me nuts. I'm like, if I was like standing there with him, I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I cannot be around this guy. Like, tell them that I used to do what they did. That's what he says. He's like, I had a nursing. Uh, I used to do their job, and everybody's so polite to him over there. It's insane, like how like they just are. how nice yeah. they are. Um, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Um, they really shouldn't be, especially when he's posing at the Great Wall and like oh. masquerading as a movie star. This just like this, running up to strangers. <laughs> I wish we would have recorded this right after I watched this because I was livid from this scene on the. This pissed me off more than him in the hospital because he's at the. I'm like, yes, I can hate him. He's at the Great Wall of China. Holy shit! I mean, the Great Wall of China is. It, it just gloss over real quick, like how much time and how 
big of like an achievement this is. This is incredible. This is it's a wonder of the world. It's a wonder of the world. It's the only structure I think visible from space. It's not actually visible from space. That's uh, a common oh. misconception. Um, it was it was somebody uh, I think uh, wrote that the the Great Wall of China would you'd be able to see from space, but that's not actually oh. true. You can't actually see it. They're just saying it was that grand. Um, yeah, I know. But it doesn't matter if you can see it from space or not. At some point, yes, you can see it from space, but it's not just like, oh, you see Earth and then the Great Wall. It's, uh, But it, it, it's 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 a huge deal, and like this is something people like like really want to go see. I'm like, wow, like just to sit there and like stand and like think about all the time and effort went into this, and he's there telling people that he's doing a movie with Jackie Chan, and, <laughs> and that he's a fucking movie star. And I was actually surprised. I was gonna be mad if he started getting shots at the Great Wall of China, like like trying to get filming shots, like making people that are in this group do that. He doesn't, from what I can gather, that at least that no, what we're told. No. But yeah, this is where I was really like, you have got to be kidding me. Oof. No, I, I never actually noticed him doing any shots while he was there, actually. Like, he didn't, no. I, that's I, what I'm saying. I'm surprised. I didn't notice didn't. him do any filming. But yeah, he's basically just running up to strangers and offering photo ops with them. And Quite a few. They don't know. Yeah, they, a lot of people take him up on the offer. And he like claims to be a, a big action star in Canada. And yeah, he does, in fact, say that he... Uh, is making a movie with Jackie Chan, and Ravy is very quick to point out that at this point in time, uh, this was not always the case. In fact, nowadays, Jackie Chan is very much making films, but at that point in time, Ravy does point out that it's like, you know, Jackie Chan's not really making movies right now. <laughs> like, he's semi retired. He says Jackie Chan doesn't um, so make movies anymore. He knows this is like, a false statement. Yeah. Yeah. It's partially true. Um, and yeah, he's right to suspect that. <laughs> Um, and then Elliot in the back seat of a, a van when they're driving around, he does mention that uh, someone in Beijing made a fan page for him on Facebook, um, which I'll be very quick to point out. Facebook is banned in China as far as I know. <laughs> um, so that's 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 a fucking lie. <laughs> that's funny. And, and then we get to see him get a massage. Uh, and he so he's like chatting with the gal who's like, doing it's like a upper body massage so like shoulders and like fingers and stuff um and he mentions that uh the gal that gave him the massage uh, gave him some sort of buddhist wristband like a bracelet um it's this neat little charm and he has a comment here that is a uh, pretty fucking incredible where uh he's like i don't know how people can live here because uh like I would lose my mind with all the the beautiful Asian women everywhere. Yeah. He's like the he's like the frumpiest of Chinese women is like miles better than like the women the in best, Canada. Yeah, the best women in Canada. I was like, what? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but you know, I mean, he has a thing. He's he's got his he's got his uh his thing, and uh, can't really take that away from him. Uh, um, so I sent you a picture of, uh, who I think Elliot looks like. He's the closest that I can think of. Um, there's a, a writer and actor by the name of Dino, uh, Stamatopoulos. He's a, he's a Greek gentleman, uh, used to be a writer for Conan, uh, back in the day. Uh, I believe he's still a comedy writer and he's very funny on the show Community, as I've told you, you need to watch for crying out loud. Um, 
But that's the closest that I could find of anybody he even resembles. So I, I feel bad for the people that are like like accepting his autographs and such, uh, because they just they're like, oh yeah, I met somebody famous today. And they have, oh, he's just so stupid. Uh, he's closing, dude. <laughs> but I, I will give him that. Like he he is like, it's one thing if you are you bump into somebody and you strike up conversation. You buy you both just kind of like hit it off, and that that's one thing. He is just actively searching for ass like it, it's not Ooh, like yeah you know he, he's not shy about running up to random gals on the street and you know saying hello um and at this point we get like probably the big turn i guess in the movie um and it's delivered by ravy uh, it's just interview footage of him and glenn sitting in their hotel room and it's just a quick cut of ravy saying so do you want to ask us what happened the other night and I, I wrote down what happened the other night. What happened the other night? Tell me what happened. Oh, like so edge excited. of your seat. I mean, so much has happened up to this point. That's like, I need to know, like, what the fuck happened? Like, there's more. <laughs> like, uh, so here, Kyle, how about you tell us what happened? Oh, I will let you know. So uh, he gets a he I guess he comes up to Ravy and he's like, hey, uh, I need you to translate for me again. Jesus. Um <laughs> Uh, so he's like, I need you to translate for me. This is the lady that I met at, uh, which lady was this? Was this the, where he goes to get his, uh, this masseur? He's like, yes, this is the masseur. And he's like, yes, yes, that, that's me. He's like, okay, um, tell her to come up to, like, tell her to come meet me at my hotel room, basically. And uh, I guess she does. And we <laughs> we get a shot of uh, her leaving his hotel room. And... Uh, we get a, another shot of him on his bed in his underwear counting money. And we're like, oh, my goodness, dude. Could you have made it a little less obvious? And he's like, I'm counting my money just to see how much I have. Like, he's, he gives, like, some bullshit excuse of why he's counting his money. And then he, I love this, that they put that in there. He yawns. He, he's like, oh, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. She was just giving me a massage and everything. I like the yawn in there. Uh, no, he yeah. just paid for a prostitute. And... I'm not saying that prostitutes dress a certain way or there's anything wrong with the way that she was dressed, but I don't think a masseur dresses like that to well, <laughs> to do a job at a hotel room without their masseuse table. <laughs> yeah, you you don't need those heels, and usually you bring a table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the heels and um, no table were kind of fishy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the thing that Ravy mentions is that... Uh, Elliot hands him the phone saying it's it's the gal from the massage parlor. Um, it is not the no. gal from the massage parlor. <laughs> um, it, it is somebody ordered through a service of some sort. He is cheating on the woman who is supporting him while he's in another country. Uh-huh. Ugh. Um, yeah, he, he's in his, his red underwear, in bed, talking to the camera, counting his money. And uh, basically he's saying... This makes it even worse because he says he's counting his money because he wants to see if he has enough for food for the next two weeks as well as a ring that Linda and he, I guess, had had talked about uh, he was going to get her a ring while he was in China. Uh, And then we cut from that to the White Horse Temple, which Dr. Diana Lee tells us is the oldest temple in China. Yeah. And, of course, Elliot gets some digits from some what look like very young girls probably yeah. teenagers yeah um and he gets he gets the digits though um and at this point 
uh, Dr. Diana Lee starts to get wise to what he's up to. Yeah. And she's, she's being, she's being tactful about it. Like she's, she's not like yelling at him or being awful to him, but, uh, she knows what he's about and she's trying to put some distance between the two of them. She keeps pointing out that like, you're, you're just here for the women. Like I, I know I've seen it. I, I know that you're, you're not a good student. You're just kind of fucking around out here. And she in- tries actually. She tries to like put him on the straight and narrow. She explains to him a little bit of Chinese philosophy. This concept that she calls it wuxi. Uh, she says basically, this life does not have a shortcut, um, and like respect is essential to living. And she's basically telling him direct to his face, like quit fucking around. <laughs> I like that. I like that term. Like life is not like there's no shortcuts in life. Like life is not a shortcut. I'm like I, I like that. That's that's nice. That's uh, a good. Yeah. It's a good thought to keep in your mind yeah uh oldest temple in china and he's just like hitting on chicks i'm like you're at the old do you know how old do you know how big china is and you're in the oldest yeah. temple in china that's still standing like that's fucking incredible dude maybe you should you know go check it out like i mean i definitely want to go see that i'm like i'm, I'm yeah. taking pictures and i'm gonna be asking some questions i'm kind of curious about this maybe a little bit but uh, it needs to be said he is wearing a red chinese garment so he is <laughs> he is oh, a chameleon. Gosh. He is adopting the culture as his own. He's that, doing the Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah, I have my god his outfit. I'm like if you want to wear it in the in in your own home, that's fine. Like that's fine. Or even like if you're going to the video store and you're like I don't want to change out of it, nobody's going to really going to care. But you are wearing <laughs> you're wearing that outfit in China. I'm like, dude, just you've got to be kidding me. Like, oof. <laughs> Yeah, so Ravy points out to us that uh, Elliot told him the tattoo on his arm is in remembrance of his first wife who died. Um, it's just a small detail, but it's worth pointing out. And then we go to the Jade Jewelry Center, uh, where presumably Elliot is going to buy a ring. Um, big surprise, he doesn't buy anything. No. <laughs> um, and now we arrive at the Shaolin Temple, which features the... The monk, who I think we mentioned earlier in this yes. sequence, was just glorious. Yeah, This is just amazing. So, Elliot, at the Shaolin fucking temple, um, asked to be introduced uh, as a Canadian martial arts champion. And he gets an audience with, I don't know how the hierarchy works in the temple, but I would assume a monk of some of high standing in the temple. Somebody who can serve as an ambassador to the public and whatnot. Um and this monk sniffs out his bullshit immediately. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. It's kind of amazing. He just, like, you can, like, see his eyes narrow, and he's just like, nah. <laughs> it's just nah. Well, first of all, like, he, like, I'm not saying that he's, uh, that Elliot's a fat guy. He's not fat at all. He's just not, he's just not fit. He's not fit like a martial artist is fit. Martial artists are fit because they're martial artists, and they exercise and train, and they eat right, and he is not those things. Um, yeah, well, and there's a there's a, a grace that comes from there's an educated way of moving that people who who apply themselves physically carry about them. Like for instance, like a a lifelong wrestler or something. A lot of times they have like a weird posture where like their head is like pushed forward and they kind of like move in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like. Any anybody who is used to moving their body in a certain way has like either a grace or a snap to the way they move, and he has none of that. <laughs> like every movement he has is uncertain, and there's no ability behind it. 
And so from the get-go, this monk probably looked him up and down and was like, <laughs> whatever, man. Yeah. Um, but this this monk asks him uh, to demonstrate a kick. And I would I would make up something like, oh, no, no, I pulled, I, my, my back is injured. I can't do anything, just anything to not do this. But no, I don't, this guy has way more confidence he com- than I he do. He commits. Oh. He commits to this shit. Um, Elliot puts his leg up and he takes, very gingerly like takes a second to like center himself and he puts his leg up and just kind of like half-assed sticks it out and the monk just says just like gets impatient with him for a second he's like oh too slow too slow <laughs> like, yeah. come on man like I'm, I'm asking you to kick here not like show me your ass crack and he demonstrates for, like just without thinking at all he just like sticks out a kick and he's just like like that and Elliot tries to replicate the motion. And it's kind of pathetic. Um, and then at some point he tries another kick and the monk actually catches his leg and, and looks him dead in the eye and asks him, do, do, do you want to fall down? Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen. <laughs> He's like, I have your leg and if I let go, you're going to fall down. And he like kind of very gracefully just like puts him on his ass. He gracefully puts him on the ground. Uh, I wish he yeah, wouldn't He have. doesn't throw him or anything. I wish he would have tried it and he just would have shut that shit down, like like put him into check and like into reality, like, dude, you are not mm-hmm. you're not you're not nothing. Not nothing. Mm-hmm. Um and at some point like this monk is I mean, he's a monk, but at the same time he has a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can tell that the, the doctor is like translating for Elliot, who is still spouting bullshit about how awesome his martial arts prowess is and how he has many titles over there. And the monk keeps laughing every time the doctor talks to him. Um, and the probably the most humbling portion of this this entire sequence, which is, again, glorious, um, is he puts Elliot in a horse stance, um, which basically it's like a deep squat. Yeah. And he tells him, we do this, like, 30 minutes. Like, how... And actually, this is not the first time. He actually asks him many times, like, we do this. How about you? Like, mm-hmm. It's like, we train, like, six hours a day here. How about you, martial arts champion? And in the horse stance, he's like, we do this 30 For minutes. 30 minutes, yeah. How about you? Yeah, how about you? And Elliot can't even get into that posture without help. And then the best part, though, is that he, he gets pushed into this horse stance. And then he starts to stand up because you can tell he's uncomfortable. Like, it hurts. It's not a pleasant way to be. And the monk just, like, shouts at him and sticks his palm out and says, don't move. <laughs> like don't, he's like don't you do it don't get up <laughs> he says yeah. don't move <laughs> and he gets he ducks back into it it's actually like, oh fuck it's actually more difficult because like deep squat is easier to do than what this is this is like a quarter squat and actually mm-hmm. one of the things you do in olympic weightlifting uh you do front squats like this you do uh one in a quarter squats where you go down come up a quarter back down then up and they're holding mm-hmm. it like like it's really difficult to do. I actually I tried it when he did it. I was like sitting there standing, like okay, I can see. <laughs> like I can't do that for thirty. I could do that for five minutes tops. I'd say right now, he can't even get into the position. I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing. It's gonna be oh. the new workout sensation. The the thirty minute Shaolin monk deep squat or <laughs> quarter squat. The the thirty minute quarter, quarter squat. squat. I don't. I I want to look into what it does exactly. I know. I'm sure it, it helps with like uh like lactic acid fermentation like if you're working a specific area and you're pulling blood to that area it probably helps develop those muscles but i'm not entirely sure that's just what i'm assuming uh but i kind of look into it i'm curious i'm like what what do they do that for 
Um, um, I I don't know what the practical purpose of it is in terms of martial arts ability, but I know mental in terms agility. Of building, I think it has a lot to do with pain tolerance and discipline. Makes sense. Like, I mean, you as as a traditional martial artist, you have to eat a lot of shit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, it just comes with the territory, and yeah, I could totally see people telling kids like do this it's like why because i said so motherfucker (laughs) eating a lot of shit metaphorically speaking yeah yeah (laughs) don't you know that's the best way to build up your strength you gotta eat a lot of poop Um, (laughs) yeah i love yeah the chinese mocks great scene he even says to uh the instructor afterwards he's like well i got I i did a few things good and i did a few things bad and he's like, overall, it came out okay. I'm like, what? You did Are no you f- fucking... Sh- did, did you see what happened? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, you got a couple of numbers, but as far as being a martial artist, you failed 100%. Uh, so you should probably just put that dream behind you and uh, maybe try to go to film school or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, we get He gets back from China, and he he pulls his bag out and he's like yeah look at this the bag's breaking cuz i've got so many presents for you in there i'm like well i'm like okay if he actually like went there and got her some stuff and she's like yeah right like you actually did get me something like yeah right there's no presents in there but he starts pulling out a lot of stuff uh he he gives her a hat first and i'm like okay so he's got her a present she's like i told you not to get me the hat i did not want this hat i don't know what the hat means i don't know what it's supposed to be why she specifically didn't want it but she doesn't want it. But what does he pull out for presents? This is sad because this is this so is like sad. an example of as a heterosexual male with a lady friend. There are certain things that are just not done. <laughs> there are certain expectations that I think it should be at this point pre-programmed into your genetics that you just understand that if you do this, the other party will not be pleased with you. Yeah. Um, chief among those expectations being if you are told to get a ring, perhaps one should consider getting said ring. Um, so he opens up his bag and he bought wedding clothes for himself, which he tried on. And then he said he got a dress for Linda, mm-hmm. which I didn't maybe see. it fits. Maybe it fits. Maybe it doesn't. We don't know. Uh, Linda does ask about the ring. Uh, he says uh, it was too expensive. I didn't get one. So she's not getting a jade ring at this point. I would imagine from an emotional standpoint, she's just kind of like shut down where it's just like, I don't care what else comes out of that bag. Um, the one thing that I asked for isn't in it. Um, well, she also wanted a jade. He bought a lot of... <laughs> I was going to say, they're in a place where he, he she wanted a jade ring. And I would assume that, I guess, good jade's probably hard to find in the U.S. Or is it like ivory? Like we just don't sell it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, she, he's in a Jade store and, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that he didn't get something for her there. And it's really sad because she says like the ring's important to her because it, it tells people that you're, you're spoken for that somebody, it's you're with somebody. And, and I understand that. And it's really unfortunate that he didn't, uh, he didn't get her. Also one, remember that this is a woman who was married previously. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it comes out here or, or later in the film. But uh, I guess her dude ran out on her and started seeing someone on the side, and they split up for a long time before. I don't know if they even officially divorced. Mm. So in terms of, like, trust issues and stuff like that, she's got a lot of stuff in the basement. Um, But I'm sorry, I I interrupted. Commitments, obviously. Oh, but um, Elliot 
bought a few a lot of movies when he was in China. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Elliot knows this. I do, um, but DVDs usually have region encodings, and a lot of Chinese DVDs are region three. And I don't know if those movies he bought will even work <laughs> on his home player. We um, going through uh, going through Asia. Uh, we bought a lot of dudes. I didn't buy any. I'm not buying them. A lot of dudes bought a lot of bootleg uh, DVDs. Uh, I watched a few. Um, they weren't very good, but yeah, I don't think he realized. Were they uh, were they cam videos where somebody sat in the front row and and shot the movie screen? Back row, but yes. Uh, Back row. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah I, they must not have laws over there because Thailand, they were they, just like throwing them out. They do not give a fuck. Uh, China copyright laws, as far as I know, are highly dubious, <laughs> if it, if they exist at all. But he yeah, VCDs were really big in Asia around this time. He's got stacks of movies. He's got like two stacks. Of, he's got an enormous amount of movies. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah, the, I mean, he... Pulls out some more clothes for himself. Again, more clothes for himself. A lot of himself. clothes. A lot of clothes and for himself. A, and the last thing that he pulls out of the bag is uh, he notices that, like, oh, hey, there's another, there's a whole other bag of movies in here. So I guess he bought a lot. Um, and then the, the capper to this scene, though, um, that was a, a small thing that I didn't actually notice the first time I watched it, is that it, oh, man, it's, like, emotionally, like, kind of wrenching in some ways. Is uh, He's finished pulling the shit out of his bag and he's like settling in at home and he draws attention to the bracelet from the gal at the massage parlor and he's like taking it off along with his watch and he's like oh yeah i got this thing in china and then he's like putting it down next to his watch it's like linda's right there and we the viewer know where that came from and what that means and it's like damn that's good filmmaking fuck (laughs) (laughs) And this is where the, the turn really, really starts to escalate because uh, we get some footage of Linda just looking exasperated and she is getting fed up. Uh, she wants to finish the movie. Um, she really wants to finish the movie because in her mind, uh, it's important to complete things. And if the movie's done, then maybe Elliot, maybe Elliot can focus on you know getting a job and helping her with the financial stuff and you know fully committing to her because he won't have the movie um and holy shit we get this really like you want to talk like a spat when she is in the the police chief outfit yeah Yeah. uh, holy that was intense um so they're trying to film a scene just the two of them and uh elliot tries to dress the set and it's basically set quote unquote um (laughs) it's a child's uh, desk (laughs) it's a child's desk um, with a few props on it, so it's supposed to look like a police chief's desk or something, and Linda is playing the police chief. And sh- they just... It, I mean, it's entirely one-sided. She just rips into him and everything that he's doing in that moment, like, in trying to make the scene work. And, oof. It's a it's a fly-on-the-wall scene where it's like, yep, this is human relationship drama at its worst. <laughs> Um, I won't go into much more detail than that, but it's pretty fucking intense. And uh, again, the director interjects, and uh, he actually asks from behind the camera, um, when is Elliot going to get a ring? And I think this scene is conducted outside of a bar. Elliot's in a white gi getting ready to film a scene in there. Mm. And Elliot laughs it off, and he claims he thinks women don't need rings. And uh, he also mentions that 
production is going to continue for some time. Like we're for the foreseeable future, we're just going to be doing blood fight. So you can tell he and Linda are on very, very different pages right now. It's like she wants to be done, and he's like, "Oh no, we got we got plenty more to do." And then we get to see in the bar, and this mm. whole sequence is just oof, 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 oof. This is very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. He. So the bar scene. Uh, he has a friend of his there uh, of some kind. Um, she's. I think. I think both Blake and Blair are there. By the way. Yeah, it looks like they're there to like chill and hang out, but also they're gonna film a scene on a pool table, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lady there who is. Uh, how do I put this delicately? Um, busty. Uh, she's very voluptuous. Yeah. She's very. She yeah. has. She's big boobs. Um, <laughs> and uh, Elliot has asked her to put on this outfit. And she's like, I, she's like not really into it at first. She's just like, okay, like kind of laughing it off. And uh, she goes to put it on. And like, I guess she couldn't wear a bra or underwear in it. So she's kind of embarrassed. So she's like, he, she just wants me to take a look at her with it. And you get some audio of him. And he's like, oh, man, I want to. He's like, I want to fuck you right now. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me right now? And, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. He has a scene with her, and he's, I think she's using a real glass bottle for this scene. I, I think, think so. I oh don't my think it was gosh. a prop one. Dude, this guy's nuts. Yeah, so she's supposed to be attacking him on the pool table, and she's, like, holding the a broken beer bottle up to his face, and they're like going through some blocking and while she's laying on top of him laying on top of him mm-hmm. on the pool table uh he he cops a feel and she kind of laughs about it and uh you can tell that like she's not terribly offended by it like she's she's okay with this and the two of them kind of like roll around on the bar table on the pool table and you can tell this went on for a little while um and some masterful editing here um f- as a documentary, that's what's interesting about this movie is that there's there is some controversy about it because uh, a some people think it's a it's fake. I, again, both you and I don't think that's the case, and b some people think that uh, either the director should not have interjected, like should not have inserted themselves into the narrative, or um, they could have gone about it in a different way because editing. Um, editing a documentary can entire can completely change the narrative. Um, there's another documentary I want to have you watch at some point, not for this month because it's not about making movies, but it's uh, the King of Kong, and one of the one of the uh, knocks on it in some people's eyes is that uh, it's edited in such a fashion as to create an unflattering narrative uh, for a lot of the principal people in it. So it's like if they hadn't edited. The, the footage they had in such a way if they hadn't placed it in the sequence they had or like done the timing of certain shots the way they had certain characters would not have been portrayed to the audience the way they are mm. um, so what happened isn't entirely what the film presents to us and Kung Fu Elliot's case um, the editing that I'm talking about here is that we intercut footage of him rolling around on this pool table with this this gal like grabbing her boobs and laughing about it um, while Blake and Blair watch, by the way, um, with footage of Linda looking very concerned and bored and worried at home. And doing uh, chores. Yeah. Uh, so we, this is like, I, I, like, 
this is very good filmmaking in the sense that it, it creates an emotional reaction. It makes us sympathize with Linda because we see that she's alone at home and meanwhile her guy is doing this. Um, whereas if you change the sequencing of this in some way, it would probably have a lot less impact and probably change the way you look at both characters. Yeah, I have... Uh, and he's hitting on the lady in the scene. I hate him so much. Like, this is really like... it's He's hitting it out of the park now. I'm like, this guy is scum. He's an absolute piece of shit. Um, so yeah, we uh, after we hate the fuck out of him, uh, we, we're revisiting the Napalm Gi. And so I'm even more excited this time. So I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> there, we're talking about it again. And I had a real anchorman reaction. Because at first she was pretty iffy about him doing it. She's just like, no, I, I, I don't think it's a good idea for him to do it. I don't think he should really do it. But now she's like not wanting him to do it at all. And I, I had like an anchorman reaction. It was jokingly. like I did, I, This wasn't sincere. But um, do you remember when uh, he's down in the bear pit with uh, Veronica Corningstone, Corningstone? I can't remember her last name. But he's like, oh, you, it wasn't you that set me up. It was Wes Mantooth. And she's like, no, it was me. And um, <laughs> his response when, when, when she says that, no, I don't want him to wear the, the, the gi, I'm like, you bitch. <laughs> Let him wear it. <laughs> Let him wear it, please. I'm, like, don't take this away from him. Oh. Uh, I'm going to punch you in the ovary. I'm going to punch <laughs> you right in the mouth. <laughs> Let him wear the napalm gi. Oh, man. I feel like at this point, the directors even have to be like, okay, listen, if you wear the napalm gi, you're going to be in a full body cast for a while, and your skin's never going to go back. Like, that's what's going to happen well, to you. At this point, I think a lot of the footage we're seeing was probably shot chronologically. So at this point, yeah. they've probably been with him like a year and a half or something. So they're probably just like at the end of their rope, like, fuck, oh, man, fuck, Set guy. yourself on fire. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um just one choice quote I pulled from this conversation was <laughs> Linda, ref she ref she refers to the film as this is not a Jack ass movie. <laughs> the air quotes, just, yeah. Well, just just the pacing of that. I've never heard that that word. I've never heard the word Jack ass pronounced in that way. Jack ass. <laughs> Jack ass movie. You it are a jackass, work. but this isn't a jackass movie. You are a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. No, this isn't a dumb uh, fuck movie, but you are a dumb fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. Um, so at this point, Blood Fight is put on hold, which... Indefinitely. Um, indefinitely. Because a truck backed up into the gym where the finale was going to be staged, and I guess the interior is just a mess. Um, so they cannot film there. Um, and immediately, Elliot decides to set, like, get to work on movie number four. It's like, in lieu of, you know, whenever we get that location back, um, I guess we're just going to start the next movie. And it's going to be called International Hero. And this is another very well-edited sequence where, so we, I've emphasized enough at this point that Linda wants the movie to be done. Now we know that not only is the movie not going to be done for the foreseeable future, without a pause we're jumping into the next one so she's trapped like this is like a nightmare for her it's like her her guy that she really 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 wants to love uh just will not listen to her pleas um and we get this really lovely edited sequence where um sad sad opera music is playing over linda like following elliot into the woods 
and she just has this like look about her where you can tell she's she's just kind of like going through the motions she's, she's kind of on autopilot she's done yeah yeah she's, she's done out. and they have a little argument when they're trying to film some stuff and yeah she is just she can't take it anymore so this is her nightmare kind of is being trapped forever taking care of this man child uh, making movies with him when really she just wants to live with him and be happy mm-hmm. um and then uh, we get this this grand reveal sequence where it's Linda doing a direct-to-camera interview in a studio. Uh, so it's like black background with just some key lighting on her. And she fills us in of the fact that Elliot has a history of lying. Um, I don't know when this interview was recorded. Maybe after the fact, I would assume, maybe. Um, but yeah, we get to see some footage of some young Asian women playing like playing music in Elliot's home uh, presumably for use on the soundtrack of one of his movies or something and he definitely has eyes on them mm-hmm. um, Linda tells us that the tree fall story the tree falling on Elliot was kind of false um, apparently it like fell near him or something and he did suffer a head injury at some point and an important note that she uh, kind of glosses over but it stood out to me was that apparently he had to wear a helmet through school mm-hmm that is that is going to make for an interesting adult is having a chunk of time wherein you had a helmet on your head because you know kids are not going to the treat worst you well they're the worst yeah oh yeah yeah so that that's that and probably a concussion probably going to make for an interesting individual yeah um she also tells us that elliot was never married um in fact he she was he just he, had i was gonna say he, he was married but she didn't die yeah, she's still alive. Uh, his 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 parents his parents confirmed that that whoever he was with is still on this earth and is very much alive. And at this point, um, Elliot says the thing that I mentioned earlier, and I I did not actually write it down like verbatim, but uh, he basically mentions that you know at certain points in your life you find yourself being lonely and. You just want to hold on to who, anyone who will who will reciprocate that, who yeah. will tolerate that. And to me, that's like that's that's why the two of these people are together. Because mm-hmm. she had a failed marriage, he had a need for someone to basically take care of him, and they just found each other. And it's just two very sad, lonely people that needed someone. Didn't matter if they were good, just a person. And it's kind of interesting how candid and just loose he is with this comment um and he he only does this a few times in the movie where he he says some pretty revelatory things but just kind of offhand and this one really jumped out at me this time um at this point it's all but confirmed that the prank calls were also elliot like we already yeah. knew that though <laughs> uh dennis the dennis system yeah, taught us nurtured that. Dependence, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um and now we start talking about porn Dude, this turn, like, I was not expecting this. This turned into, like, I already wasn't expecting him to be a piece of shit like this. But this just completely, completely turns the film. Like, what are we talking about? Well, usually a a heel turn is quick. This is like a semi-truck, like, going all the way around the block. (laughs) I feel stupid for not, like, expecting it because I'm like, it was right there the whole time. I didn't even think about that. Um, she mentions that, 
he likes to do likes to film porn. He's like, no, no, I don't film porn. She's like, yes, you do. She's like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, you do. Like it's 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 an accusation. Um, yeah, he apparently films. He has uh, he calls it like a, a, a an erotic horror reimagining. I think his friend says. Uh, he films porn in uh, Blake's apartment, and Blake is like, yeah, I have to cover. He's, so, yeah, he brings these girls over here, uh, films having sex with them, and then I have to cover for him, basically. Uh, so, yeah, this whole time, Elliot's just been filming porno in uh, Blake's apartment. Yeah, it's maybe the only time in the movie where Blake actually sounds generally, like, upset. Like, he raises his voice a little bit, where he's like, I have to cover for him. And it's like, you can tell he's not happy about it, but he maybe lacks the will to do anything about it. also he's in the pornos by the way yeah um, i mean not you can... not not as a porn actor but as like a slasher villain or something tv repair um, guy the, the pizza guy's getting at the tv repair guy's like oh i guess there's uh no need to fix the tv right now i'll let myself out <laughs> yeah um and i guess the movie that we get to see footage of well actually there's a few we get yeah, to see, we get footage to see of a, little bit a few of uh elliot's pornos and uh the one that they're currently filming, though, when when the documentary crew is present, is called Ouija Board from Hell. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, Blake is like a, a masked killer with a knife. He's actually kind of scary with this mask. He's fucking terrifying when yeah. he's in that strobe, that strobe lighting. Yeah, when like, he's doing effective. his like serial killer, like psychopath babble. Like, holy crap, he's genuinely unsettling. Yeah, but. Then we cut to a scene, then we cut to a scene of, of Elliot on the phone, and a lot happens like in a few seconds. So I didn't write all of it down, but he, basically we just like yeah. fade up from black, and careful. he's on the phone. He's like, "Careful, careful, yeah. moving forward." Just saying. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's just listing off a, a bunch of like kink parties that are going yeah. on, fetish parties, and so he's he's aware of like a half dozen of these in the neighborhood or something. Um. <laughs> If somebody wanted to call yeah. out the the um, the this uh, doc, being a, do, a genuine documentary, this is the one scene where I'd be like, I don't know about this. How does he know about so many fetish parties? <laughs> well, like, that doesn't seem fun, possible. Funny you should mention that. Funny oh. you should mention that because um, in the Q and A section uh, with the directors that I listened to after, like on the bonus features on the disc, um, they actually are asked like who is Elliot and like like if I wanted to get in contact with him to like verify that he's a real person like how could I reach him apparently he lives in Mongolia now and is largely out of contact but the directors state that uh, the only way the only reliable way they know to get a hold of him currently is uh, through FetLife which is apparently like a, a fetish forum like message board Oh, apparently nice. he he's he's a loud and proud like like resident on that board and his his username is white lightning so <laughs> so if you want to look him up you can um but i mean if he's been frequenting that board for quite a while um and they have like a, a halifax section i would imagine <laughs> you know he'd be he'd be up to date on what what kink parties are going on where but one thing he's not up to date on is his shots that dude has got something uh Oh yeah, yeah. No joke. Um, I know, I know a dude that doesn't wear a condom when I see one, and <laughs> Point. White Lightning does not wear a condom. <laughs> uh, so Elliot starts like suiting up, like literally. He like puts on a suit because he, he and he and Blake are gonna yeah they're gonna go out to a party, and uh, 
he mentions here, I, I think everyone deserves to be somebody in life. And uh, the director asks him, it, like, so, like, clearly you're delusional. He doesn't say that, but, like, at this point, that's got to be what he's thinking. But he asks him, like, so is, like, reality a nuisance to you sometimes? Mm-hmm. And uh, Elliot, in more words than this, basically gives him an emphatic yes. <laughs> like, you can... Basically, Elliot tells him some pretty dark shit here. Where, like, you know, sometimes real life really, really sucks. Um, and it kind of tells us that Elliot's probably not a very happy person. No. Um, so es- escaping from his his reality is of prime importance, even if it's not rational. Um, and then Blake tells us direct to camera that uh, Elliot has some jobs lined up for him, some acting gigs in uh, China. And again, the director, again... We get to hear him from behind the camera say, you're not going to just, like, take Elliot's word on that, right? You're going to actually contact these people before you fly over there. And Blake's like, oh, yeah, I, I should I should probably, you know, like, like, like talk, talk to, to somebody. a guy. <laughs> talk, <laughs> yeah. I should probably, like, talk to a guy or, you know. Find out for talk, sure. Do, 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 a, do a Skype or something. Um, and then they go to, I think it's like an S&M party or something. It's not a party. It's, it's not. like five. It's like four people in an apartment. <laughs> it's it's five people that would most likely go to an insane clown posse concert, uh, hanging out on a Saturday night, and in a well. And I'm sorry, like I, maybe maybe it's just me, but like if I'm going to like some kind of quote unquote fetish or sex party, I need better lighting than this. This is really like. A really really bright overhead lighting i'm like come on guys it needs to be kind of dim maybe even candle it safely candle it like this is just this is amateur man yeah like, <laughs> it's 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 really lame um you can tell that the two gals are the only people who are actually into it everyone else uh, is just kind of like it's it's like a pool party situation where everyone's kind of like dipping their toes in and the only they're the only two people who actually got in the pool no, it's it's like going to, uh, going to like a a party. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna do this. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a party over at this house. It's like post high school. Everybody's like nineteen or twenty. Nobody's twenty one. You're like, fuck yeah, let's get drunk. You're like, oh, uh, nobody's twenty one, so we don't have any alcohol. You're like, well, what the fuck are we oh. gonna do? Just sit here? Like this what this feels like. Like, well, I I'll have her get naked, and then the other one will just kind of like slap her a little bit, and like. All right, I'll stay where I'll stick around for a minute, but like, this is <laughs> that, my, that, yeah, that's very night. much the reaction. Just like, huh. yeah. <laughs> like everybody's just kind of like, eh. so you want to p- play Parcheesi? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they leave. They leave the party, and you can tell that like neither of them was terribly fulfilled with the experience, but they went, and uh, it meant something to them. And then we get our grand fucking finale. Well, before they went to the party, we get like a little, uh, the screen goes black and it says, Linda's out of town on a business trip. And I'm like, motherfucker, like this guy is not going to be a good boyfriend. And we are, I was 100% right. He's like getting suited up to go to a, <laughs> a kink party, like immediately without even, like, yeah. without blinking. He's just like, yeah. as soon as, as soon as she left, he was like, where are we going tomorrow? We got to figure this out. <laughs> I got um, six parties today. We're going to all of them. <laughs> so while she was out of town, uh, the na- uh, she re- she returns and the neighbors let them know like, hey, last night at about one thirty, some lady went into uh, your house 
And I guess mm-hmm. they they know Linda that she probably talked to them like, hey, let me know if anything fishy happens or something like that. But they they let her know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, somebody told me this a long time ago. Uh, don't fuck with people and like don't mess with strangers in their relationship. Uh, honestly, these neighbors made a big mistake by letting her know this because if this had been a worse person they would have gotten they could have gotten shot easily cuz this oh, is, you, you oh, don't, yeah, yeah. you don't you don't fuck with people's relationships like i saw somebody coming out of there like no 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 keep your mouth shut it's none of your business even if they ask you mm-hmm. to do it unless they're a close personal friend maybe if if the circumstances are right but don't just be throwing yourself into people's shit don't do that uh, Fortunately, yeah, the, it's Canada, so you only have to worry about getting pounded as opposed to shot in the face. Yeah, that dude like it says pounded. Are you gonna pound me, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a uh, lot of repetition of pounded, and it always yeah. made me laugh. Yeah. Um, so this is the this is the sequence where uh, I'm convinced that this isn't fake because this seems like a real reaction that happens. But uh, yeah, so the neighbors told Linda, and she's like, she's already done. She's like. You can tell just from the filming so far, like, she's done with this relationship. She wants out. And now she has more than enough. Like, she has a, a, a good reason to. So she confronts him about it. And uh, he's not very good at lying here. Like, he's really, really bad at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly, I'm like, this guy's a this guy's a, a crazy person. And he's not good at lying well, on he's the spot a, like this. He's a pathological liar. But um, I don't know if it's because he had a long night or whatever. But, he, yeah, he is on his heels immediately. Like, he has zero good... He has nothing. Like, he has no good explanations for any of the questions being thrown at him. And it oh. all comes across as very, very disingenuous, like, from the get-go. Um, but, yeah, Linda confronts him, and uh, immediately Elliot's claim is that uh, the girl who was at his place... And, again, this does nothing to, like, get him off the hook. No. He claims that the girl was a classmate of his that was at a bar like just up the hill or something that does that doesn't change the fact that a woman came into your home at 1 30 and was dropped off by a car <laughs> it's like you didn't like walk them in or whatever like they were dropped off by a car and they went into your home at, at an obscene hour of the night um and like the the way you can tell like this is an escalation of things is i think for the first time he drops a couple of f-bombs here and it immediately like changes the tone like it this is it needs to be said this is like like actually like tense like, yeah from an emotional standpoint like i was very uncomfortable watching this because it, it, um, yeah. it was like genuinely unsettling and uh yeah he drops a couple of f-bombs and hearing that come out of elliot who's been so mild throughout the entire movie up to this point it's like oh like he, we're we're at a different level now well yeah he's caught now like that's he's he's caught up in it and she's not buying anything that he's saying uh and yeah he's cursing and his demeanor changes and he's like i'm gonna go fucking tell those kids to like mind their fucking business and quit lying and he goes over and him pounding on the door i'm like oh no this is real shit just got real and uh mm-hmm. yeah he screams at these like they're they're look like teenagers or young adults like they're they're pretty young and yeah he's it, it doesn't go over very well. The do- I appreciate the documentary guy. He's just like kind of peeks his head, like peeks the camera out the front door and just kind of films from over there at first. Um, but then they go over there and they defuse the situation somehow. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what happens, but they get him back to the apartment. Well, um, Linda, I think, followed him out there. Yeah. And probably like tried to calm him down and like 
take him away from there. But um, yeah, uh, based on what we saw of his interactions with the monk, um, even even in circumstances like this where he's cornered, um, I could totally see Elliot being the kind of guy who would actually throw on somebody um, because the power of like self-belief is not to be discounted in, in <laughs> any way. Like if he believes that he can pound people, I I could totally see him trying. Um, oh, so I think I, he could beat some I ass. Would, I like would not the... have been. Yeah, I I don't know if it would be effective, but he would be. He would initiate. <laughs> he may not be a very good fighter, but I can tell you one thing: he's gonna get some good blows on those kids, and he's gonna be hard to to pull back. Like he's gonna he's gonna flip a switch, and he's gonna be a, he's gonna be an animal. Like, hey man, he, if uh, hey if hey Arnold taught me anything, it's that you know sometimes the best counter for strength and ability is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he, there's some more repetition of pounded. Basically, he, he's saying that um, if the neighbors quit, you know, sticking their nose in his business, he's gonna fucking pound their heads in. Um, and now the director starts to intercede. Um, he asks Elliot what happened, um, and Elliot tries to pivot a bit and he tries to place the blame on the neighbors. He's like, "Oh, they're making stuff up, you know, like fucking assholes." And um, Linda mentions that she knew about the the party that he and Blake went to, by the way. Um, so that's more fuel to the fire. So mm-hmm. that, like, things are just piling up here, and it's intensifying very quickly. Um, <laughs> and at some point, Elliot tries to blame Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> he tr- he tries to blame Nova Scotia. Oh. He says like it's the it's the wretched. This wretched hive of scum and villainy basically he says the worst people in the world are from Nova Scotia I'm just uh, no, surrounded not. by awful people it's not my fault it's just this place it's filled with garbage people and then uh, we get like the, the proper end to the film and that would be um, the director I guess deciding to gang up on Elliot like he, he starts to like the pressure that Linda's applying he, he steps it up because he he actually leads the conversation in a direction that definitely would would make things explode, and they certainly do. Um, he asks, he says to to Linda, like, "Hey, so Elliot's been telling me that uh, um, the gal that he met at the bar, one of his classmates, was communicating with him around that time, around like one thirty in the morning, on Facebook. Um, so obviously, if you like pull up their accounts, you'll see the <laughs> messages they posted to each other." <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> so she pulls up Facebook and uh, there are no messages from that time frame and you can tell Elliot is like he knows he knows what's up like he knows there's nowhere else to hide and uh, there's a lot of crosstalk that's happening here there's a lot of overlapping audio um, but Elliot throws out there like he says like hey guys can you like like can you like back off like I don't want to talk about this right now and uh, the director tries to like talk back a little bit, and Elliot shouts at him like, "Like I'm gonna pound both of you guys if you don't shut up right now." And then, <laughs> Kyle, do you remember what the director yelled at him? He's like, "You're gonna pound me!" Like he's like, he's like "You wanna pound me, bro?" Like he like, says, "You're gonna pound me? Fuck you!" Fuck you! <laughs> like yeah, try it, El- motherfucker. Elliot. Yeah, from behind the camera, you just hear this voice. You're gonna pound me? Fuck you! Yeah, <laughs> and and then Elliot screams at them, "Get out of my house!" And he 
hops up from the couch, makes a run at the camera. Oh, like we see what the camera sees, and it's not much because no. uh, Elliot, Elliot is apparently on top of somebody at this point, and there are just some primal screams and a lot of repetition of "Get out of my house!" and the director's voice is saying, "Calm down, Elliot." Um, the directors in their Q and A did say that yeah, Elliot did attack them. Like he he did throw some punches and he did like forcibly attempt to remove them from their from his home um which i think is actually linda's home (laughs) Um, it is but yeah uh basically they exit the the house uh while elliot is screaming after them and uh by the time they get out to the car um there's a police car coming down the street and we get to hear the two directors kind of like chattering between each other like what should we do Like, like do we stay? Do we go? And they're just like, let's fucking go. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if that's the best thing to do right now, but it's a decision. Let's do it. Well, they didn't want to lose so their they footage. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. They probably don't want to lose their footage. And one can assume that the neighbors or Linda called the police. Um, and then we get a bunch of uh, title slides, like just a footage of Halifax and a bunch of text on the screen basically telling us uh, what happened to everybody following this. Um, Blake, I believe, got some acting gigs, local yeah. stuff on like local TV. That's kind of cool. Um, and Elliot is apparently living in Mongolia and completely disappeared from Halifax. Like, yeah, Linda no dumped that scrub. Yeah, yeah, they broke up, and Elliot disappeared and is now living on the other side of the planet. <laughs> and that is Kung Fu Elliot. <laughs> yeah, um, I say yeah, and they said uh, we talked we talked to the. It was weird. It was like, we talked to Canada Canada Karate. <laughs> and, uh, like, yeah, he is, they have no no mention of him at all having any titles. I'm like, yeah, I, I assumed uh, he has no titles whatsoever. Um, my last note is, fuck this dude. Uh, yeah, he's a, <laughs> he, he is a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, he is, he is an awful human being. Um, apparently the directors are still somewhat in contact with him. Um, so I guess, I guess he was unhappy with them, but not to the extent that he, uh, completed the Dennis cycle with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I am a huge proponent of this film. I think more people need to see it because, um, I think now you're the only person I know that's actually watched it. Um, and clearly as we've gone over two and a half hours talking about it, um, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. And I think it's very good filmmaking. Uh, documentary or otherwise yeah it uh it 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 switches gears on you a few times and you're just like you're just not ready for it you have no idea it's coming and i think that's that's worth noting um if you want to see a piece of human garbage uh this is definitely worth seeing i i still want to know for sure if this is authentic i do believe it is i'm like 97 percent sure it is um it it's it these people would be really good actors if this was insincere and i can you can feel you can feel linda you can feel her energy and you can feel that that's genuine and the rage that he has near the end of the film i'm like that you can't fake that i don't think it was faked i think it was pretty good um but yeah, I'd still like to know for sure. I, I, maybe I'll talk to the directors. Is this for real? Is this for real? For real? They've done nothing else though. Neither one of them have done like I think they've done one other movie each. Um, their IMDb is just blank almost. Yeah, apparently, um, they were actually getting ready to start their first their first documentary feature um, b- 
before, like around the time they met Elliot, uh, which is why they ended up doing this project as opposed to whatever it was they were planning on doing. Um, I don't know what happened after that, but uh, I also they don't know swear how often up and down it's real. I mean, I don't know how often you do documentaries. I mean, this was 2014. I mean, that's five years ago. They might be working on one now. They might be editing one now. I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure, but who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it tends to be a pretty lengthy process. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I would not be surprised if it's it's if they had something in production. Um, but yeah, that was Kung Fu Elliot. Um, so next week. Did you want to do The Death of Superman Lives, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually one we both seen, um, but you did have me catch up on it uh, a while back. Uh, this was kind mm-hmm. of the, uh, one of the one where we got started off, like throwing movies back and forth to each other. Uh, actually, you let me borrow this on DVD. Um, I'm super excited wow. to watch it again. I'm super excited to talk about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it should be fun. Death of Superman Lives. Yeah, it should be fun and quite a bit more uh, uplifting yes. <laughs> than, yes. than uh, Kung Fu Elliot. So we'll, we'll go out with on a positive note, which is what we're all about here on the show generally. Yes, try um, to. So that being said, uh, thanks for listening, and I guess we'll catch you next week. Yeah.